0: Because I've heard that so many times, and I've always thought that's total BS. Like, it's impossible. It's not. I watched it happen. Like, with your own two eyes, you'll say that
1: that really happens. I, You know, I, I'm not saying that she turned off her scent, but she dang sure reduced it and changed it. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that's, what happened? Well, we were... Me and my grandson went out to this little it's like a quarry and big old rock piles they mine some some rock out of there and uh i had trailed a lion into that one time before so i told him i said let's go out there and i said let's take your call and let's try to call coyotes in and i said we'll take of course we're going to take some dogs and see if anything went through there and and w- we rode the dogs through there and and uh they struck and we trailed back out the one way and then i i found what i thought was a track it wasn't you know real distinct but i said man that's a lot track your and,
0: tongue right to
1: see it yeah i you know I, I sometimes i'll i get a little too optimistic but uh <laughs> it, but it was bad we were going backwards so we went back and we went through the mountain and the dogs trailed and and matter of fact i put it on my instagram when the dogs were trailing through there and you know they were all in a line and and like they say, you know you could throw a blanket over them, and they trailed back around through there and I watched them watched them they got off on this bad spot and they just couldn't move it anymore and we gave them quite a bit of time and it was starting to get late in the day, so I told my grandson, I said, hey let's 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 throw these dogs back in the box and and uh, we'll walk around this hill and and uh, set up the call." and see if we can't call in a coyote coyote, because the wind was just perfect and, right. and everything was right you know and we had a lot of a lot of uh view you know we could see down the canyon and everything and we had let that call go for a long time and nothing come in we let it go for about 12 or 14 minutes something like that and then changed the sound and you know nothing ever came in and i told my grandson i said well we haven't we haven't shot our guns in a long time i said let's pick out a rock on the other side of the mountain here, or on the other side of this canyon, and let's shoot at it. And he said, well, he calls me Tita. Well, Tita, what what rock? I said, well, that flat rock right there. He said, what rock? I said, that flat rock right there. And he said, Tita. He said, there's a lion right there. No way. <laughs> yeah, that lion was come. The call was still going off, and that lion just kind of come over the hill looking at that, looking down in that canyon. and oh, dang course he said oh you want me to shoot it i said no 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 let's go get the dogs (laughs) we gotta catch it yeah yeah let's let's so we went and got the dogs and man they that lion i what i believe was that lion was bedded down on the other side of that canyon those dogs trailed back to where she was bedded down and of course some of those dogs i got they got pretty sticky right in there there was a whole lot of scent real protected area and they were bawling i had one dog take off and go down there and she's pretty silent and and I told my grandson i said look at she's she's trailing that lion and she went around the side of the mountain and what that lion had done is when we jumped up to go get to uh, go get the dogs, she had kind of snuck around the side of the mountain and uh pretty soon they got her jumped and the other dogs went and she went and man they took off and they of course going through the big old boulder pile the dogs couldn't keep up with her and oh, sure and uh they were working and you know but they tried and then she hit a little old dry wash and she went 600 yards out that wash and those dogs I mean they were building to her they were just just hooking it up through there and she went through a little set of bluffs and when she went through the set of bluffs of course it held the dogs up for a while they you know they got stuck in there and finally they worked their way around and she came back to where she started from right down another dry wash but coming back towards us and those dogs got through those bluffs coming we watched the lion when she come out so you know they were probably you know two or three hundred yards behind her and there was just a little old two-track road there and she got in that road and she squatted down and then she put her head up and looked back at those dogs and then she just crawled out of there i mean just absolutely just just crawled out of there crawled into this little old canyon crossed back up and when those dogs hit that spot their trailing slowed down to a crawl and and that is crazy getting to that point they were just bawling and running i mean just wide open wide open fast and they got to that spot and they just slowed down to a crawl and i told my grandson i said you know what i said we just witnessed a lion changing their scent reducing it or turn it off like the old timer said or something and then we they worked it back and that lion came back around the hill back to where she was, walked up her track, came back down her track, and crossed the arroyo and went out across the greasewood. And the dogs never could figure that out. They got in there, and they trailed here and trailed there and trailed back and forth. And and me and my grandson got in the buggy and drove around, went down to the wash. And uh, he's the one who found it. He said, hey, Tita, he said, look over here. Went over there, and we could see where her tracks went out the opposite way and went out across the greasewood. And uh, by insane. then it was so late, and and the dogs were toasted, and uh, then it's it's really difficult to trail across that greasewood.
0: Man, I just I want to hijack your your podcast now because I got a bunch of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I've used. Do you think that it like really like holds back scent, or like you know some people say like you know a dog will release anal glands or something like that? Do you think it, it's something that's changing, or it's actually a reduction? Is it more of a masking of the scent or a reduction of the natural lion scent? What do you think?
1: I think it's it's the they're not leaving as much scent. She sat there and caught her breath. She, I've heard a lot of theories, you know, that when they're running like that, they're breathing uh-huh. out their mouth or whatever, and they're throwing a lot of scent out. Yeah, and that when they stop like that, and she kind of had a. She, now it wasn't that long. The dogs weren't that far behind her, but. She looked back and then you, she just turned into a, it just started sneaking. Like she was deliberate. And she was, bre- She yeah, no, yeah. She was sneaking away. It was, she wasn't, you know, using speed to get away from those dogs. She was using her ability to sneak. And that's, so I think it just changes. There's not as much scent. I heard a matter of fact on this podcast, and I don't know if Steve talks about it or Jim, I can't remember, but I know Steve and I have talked about it before. And uh Cleve Dwyer said yeah. also that these lions that right before they bed down, that's when they the old timers say turn off their scent or they 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 start sneaking to go to, to go to wherever they're gonna bed down. And when they do that, that's why a lot of times they'll just, you know, it's, it's hard to get to them after they've bedded down. You know, your, your, your trailing right. just turns into a, uh, a crawl. And when they get, you know, the dogs are working and worrying. That's like when I was with Mike Root, you know, and, and we were up there and man, I wanted to move the dogs. I said, shoot. I said, they, you know, that lion went through that saddle way over there. He said, no, no, let's just sit here and let's just sit here and, watch them. and uh, shoot it took forever and all of a sudden just
2: wow wah, 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 wah. There,
1: there was a lion on a rock not even a jump they just got it out of its bed and that lion jumped up on a rock right there in front of those dogs
0: that's so crazy. there was not
1: even a jumped race and i asked mike i said well how did you know he said well you just learn your dogs he said i he said i knew with that dog the way that dog was acting that lion was in there somewhere and it wasn't that's like so the dog odd. was balling he was like he you know in a 20 foot it probably took him 15 minutes to go 20 foot right and he only balled like two or three times in that amount of time you know it was it was it, it i learned a lot i thought i was always patient and i'm not <laughs> <laughs> no
0: that's just crazy to me a that you got to see it all well, that's yeah, that, pretty crazy
1: yeah yeah that was that was a that was something i i mean i you know of course Can my have grandson your I, no we were calling coyotes i videoed with my phone a little bit i didn't video the lion i got kind of caught up in what was going, going on typical of my camera work but
0: uh, <laughs> but no you know, you're, not, my, you're not the first one to say that that's what i was thinking of Cleve too i know he's pretty diehard. like they definitely pick up their scent
3: mm-hmm.
1: they do know. something something happens i know that uh, and and you know i think there's a lot of uh, you go around, you know, you be trailing a lion and then the dogs are trailing real good, you know, and they're balling and trailing and everything. Then you get to a spot and they just they can't hardly move it, you know, it slows down to a crawl. And and I think that's when they, you know, maybe their lion's just kinda walking through there nonchalantly and all of a sudden, you know, he something catches his eye and he wants to put on a stalk or something, so he starts sneaking. And when they start sneaking, they just don't leave any scent. Man,
0: you could have had, like, a Bigfoot video right there. Like, you could have proved it all.
1: I could have. One if video. I, I'd have had to have, you know, when I video, when I make my videos, I just carry one of those little GoPros, and they it, it, the only thing it's really good for is just kind of scenery and and, and kind of what they call point of view, you know, what my right. point of view is. But you, you'd probably had to have a camera with a pretty good zoom. Oh, bad. Because when she'd come back in the road, she was, you know, she was a little ways away from us. I don't know. She was probably... Three or 400 yards i guess
0: that's still crazy to actually get to see that like you're talking yeah. to a guy who can't see usually more than a 100 yards because all the trees <laughs> like <laughs> you know that <laughs>
1: big ground is cool yeah well yeah you, you guys can't see very far at all well and just last week i i uh i trailed lion and and the dogs trailed past her and i i looked up in front and there she was standing i looked and i thought man that's too big to be one of my dogs. Cause I was behind him. I was on the mule. And, uh, then I looked a little closer. I made that video too. It's on my, on my born 100 deal. And, uh, sure enough, there was that lion. They trailed she, right past it. Yeah. And I got her on video, but it's not very good video cause I just had that GoPro. Right. And, uh, then we ended up putting her in a rock pile down there in a hole in rocks and I couldn't even get a camera in there to get any pictures Dang. of her in the hole. But, she was dang sure in there growling then the dogs were climbing in the hole and i was hollering at them get, trying to get them i didn't want them to stick their head in there and get it bit off and and uh just yeah growls, deals gets a little wild she's still up there so really good thing yeah that's a good thing so that's awesome i haven't been able to go back and see if i could trail her around a little bit <laughs>
0: So did these? Did Steve and it was with Steve and Jim? Didn't she say this episode? Steve Smith and Jim Bueller, and, and uh, we've heard from
1: Jim before, haven't we? On a past I, one. Well, I've talked. We've talked it. about him a lot. I I, I went to. Uh, he lives in Ely, Nevada, and uh, he's a. Uh, he works for the USDA, I guess. They call it the company, and the uh, company. Yeah, and. I had an opportunity. I thought I was going to have time or be able to get to talk to him, and he got called out for on a uh, bighorn sheep kill or something like that. And so I, I, I'd I, sold a mule up there, and I was meeting a guy out of California to pick up that mule, and uh, I didn't get to talk to him. So I thought, well, I lost that opportunity. And then i have been talking to Steve Smith, and I don't know if people have heard of Steve Smith before or not, but, you know, I mean, everybody knows Warner Glenn. I mean, Warner Glenn's a big, you know, if you're going to draw right. a picture of a cowboy, you're going to draw a picture of Warner Glenn. Well, Steve Smith is just like that. I mean, he's six foot seven and he's all cowboy. He told me one time, I said, Steve, I said, I sure would like to interview you for the podcast. And he said, ah, oh, he said, if it doesn't have hair on it, I'm not interested in it. And that's about right. So, but then he's the one. He said, he, he, I got to talking to him and we talked about dogs and, and different, you know, people and everything. And, and he told me, he said, you need to talk to Jim Bueller. He said, Jim's caught over a thousand lions in his lifetime. And, uh, he said, he's a real knowledgeable guy. And then he called me and said, uh, he said, Hey, Jim's coming down here to pick up a dog or do some dog trading with him or something. He said, uh, he said, he said he would talk to you. He said, if you make it over here, he's going to be here for a few days. And, nice. I, yeah. So I said, yeah, shoot. Yeah. And so I loaded up and went over there. Brett's on the road again. Yeah. It was a good one. I, <laughs> I, even if I went to take, took anything to record it, I would have gone over there just to listen to him, talk to oh, listen to sure. stories. And it was all for Jim, you know, about Jim and, and that's what it was set up for. But, uh, during the podcast, we, I did talk Steve into joining in for a little while. <laughs> and, and just get his toes wet for the yeah, next one yeah so i've still i hopefully i'll get him to he's you know he's he hunted dale lee's dogs for him for a while and you know he's been down in that really good dry ground lion country and and uh he's he's he he's had some really really good dogs and uh most people that that dry ground lion hunt know about steve
0: yeah, you've talked about him ever since I remember starting talking with you. You know, like he was kind of the mystic of the the Southwest.
1: Oh, yeah. He's, you know, and he's.
0: You
2: How know, old he is has,
1: he? I think Steve is, is uh, man, I'm going to get it wrong. I think he's in his 70s, I believe.
0: He's still a little still on still. the younger side getting up there, but. Still hunts, still gets out and about and.
1: you can't tell i mean he's in good shape i mean shoot
0: he can tell a story
1: (laughs) yeah he i i don't know if you got to listen to any of that but it's i it was one of my favorite podcasts that i've done one of my you know just sitting just being able to sit and talk to those guys
0: you can tell no it's a good
1: one and there's so much more i you know you just go on and on but still i want to i want to try to get steve to to sit down and, and maybe if he's, I know he's going to listen to this, so. Maybe. I hope he does. I, if he's I, listening, I, Steve, you should do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Pass on the knowledge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and you know, his story about, you know, I always like to know how these guys, you know, he told me, he said, because I said, well, how did, you know, I'm really interested in how anybody got started doing what we do, you know. And, and he said, ah oh, he said, you know, anybody that does what we do has to be genetically flawed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's <the> true too. <laughs> so that's pretty pretty
0: good. Well, but awesome! Yeah. I'm just glad you're back. I know you've been busy, but you've been saying you had some interviews lined up. So I hope had lots do. of people
1: asking. I have. I have more. I you know, I'm going to go to Oklahoma. I got a deal. Cody King, which I did the podcast with him, and 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 you guys shared it with everybody. But he's going to take his cat dogs from south texas and we're going to go to oklahoma and see if he can't catch a bobcat in oklahoma that will be fun yeah so y'all stay, stay tuned, tuned. I, I, yeah i don't know i don't know where it's going to come out at i don't know we're going to probably we'll probably record you know some sort of podcast while we're there because otis Llewellyn's going to be there also and then i think van johnson's going to be there and, and some some of those old guys so it should That'd be, be cool I think it would be some some good stuff. So, so as Clay, so Clay Newcomb would say, I'm pretty sure you don't want to miss this one. <laughs> That's not trademarked, is it? No, you no. you're not gonna get us in trouble. What do they say that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery?
0: That's it. <laughs> did you did you not hear our April Fools
1: podcast? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I think I. You guys got me on that thing.
0: Oh, of course we did.
1: You know, it's flattering oh man well i'm glad
0: you're back brett i know you've been real busy but we're gonna have to we're gonna do a whole episode i want to elaborate on this whole picking up scent thing too because i have some theories but i well, i don't know anything i'm not a lion hunter i but i do think you're yeah. on something about the breath when they're running and being able to collect yourself
1: and something i just happens. can't believe you actually got to sit and see it i yeah that's what i tell tell everybody that i actually got to see one turn off her scent you're one of about two people, probably. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll write a whole book on it.
0: You should. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it's the big time. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Amazon bestseller or something like that. Well, awesome, man. I hope everybody enjoys it. It was good. Good stories. They, I don't know. I love that about the guys that you interview is they're such good storytellers. And they can just talk, which is an art form anymore. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully there's a lot more to do. Enjoys. So, so uh, good. That's good. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say, go join my Patreon. I have a hard time with that. You can sell yourself uh, every once in a while, Brian. Go okay. see
0: his Patreon. Go where join else? They, they can subscribe page. to
1: YouTube. Yeah, I kind of. The YouTube's kind of different deal. Well, it's not different. I got my born 100 years too late deal, and and then I also I I decided that you know I wanted to do the interview stories and entails and it would be more about the you know the dogs and stuff like that and some of the stuff i can share you know as far as some of these other deals i've got these these other interviews and things that i've videoed your plethora there's no video on this one because i asked them i said you guys want me to set up this camera and they said we'd rather you not (laughs) (laughs) so i said if you want to walk out of here (laughs) with your life (laughs) yeah they said We'll just kill you, and then we won't have to worry about it. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, well, thanks for taking a
1: chance for it. It was a good yeah. one. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I hope everybody enjoys it. Let me know. Comment. We came up here to Steve Smith's. Is it, this is his ranch, right?
4: Yes, it's the Bar 11.
1: The Bar 11 here in Looks like pretty good lion country down in. Yeah,
4: there. it is good line country here in the in, uh, Tonto Basin.
1: In the Tonto Basin, it's been raining the whole time. Me driving over here, and, he, and there, there's a happy you can't hardly talk to him because yeah. of all the rain.
4: Yeah, them guys needed this rain bad, and <clears throat> their dreams is coming true now.
1: Anyway, Mister Smith had set me up to come down here and talk to Mister Jim Bueller, and and Mister Bueller. Is been running hounds on lions for 50 something years
4: yeah 55 56 years
1: there you go from and you you live up by ely nevada i
4: do now yeah i've lived up there for about uh 46 47 years
1: so got to get the the story down where where are you from and
4: and well i'm from up in idaho originally and my dad had a sheep outfit up there uh you know all of his life in uh you know the caribou uh, bear lake country up there and you know we spent the summers up in the high country and and uh that's where i grew up you know in the summertime
1: running those no sheep
4: yeah well we didn't uh, he had herders that worked for him but we had a, a centralized camp there and we would uh, pack salt uh different directions to the to the sheep herders and We'd pack supplies into them. You know, we had a big string of horses and mules. And
1: where, where were your folks from? From that area. Same area. Yeah. And, I mean, I imagine with the sheep that you probably encountered predators and lions. Yeah, that
4: that's how I got started, you know, uh, trailing around up there. And uh, my pa, you know, would have lion trouble, and, sh- and but mostly bear trouble. And uh, in the summertime, and then in the winter time, we'd come to Nevada. He would haul, you know, all them sheep out to Nevada in the winter time, and uh, lots of times, or some of the times, we'd have lion trouble in Nevada, and that's how I got started hunting lions and bears.
1: It. And you got hounds at that time. Well,
4: when I first started, uh I went with him. We had some lion trouble there uh, in, in the winter time, and. My dad called a state lion hunter, a Melco guy named Dick Hall, and uh, Dick came over. I was about ten years old at the time, and <clears throat> anyway, uh, he asked my dad if my dad wanted to go with him the next morning. Uh, you know, after this lion, Dad said that he couldn't. You know, and I guess I was dancing around there and <laughs> looking kind of nervous. And finally, old Dick Hall—he he was still a young man at that time. He uh, he said, "Would your boy like to go?" And Dad says, Oh, I think he probably would, you know. So they let me go. And I went with that old boy that next day. And we caught them lions. And that was the first time I'd ever been uh, hunting with dogs.
3: And
1: and it hooked you?
4: Yeah, you know. And uh, I remember when he drove up there to our camp, uh, he had this truck with all these, with this bunch of boxes and stuff in the back. And I didn't have a clue, you know. uh, what was in them boxes and i went back there and looked in them dogs you know uh, they all started bellering at me you know and god you know and then that next day and the next day you know i knew from then on what i wanted to do i'll be ding yeah
1: it did you go try to get your own dogs right away or?
4: well no i waited two or three years you know i was hunting up there uh, and i catch the lions and well i'm primarily bear with with the sheep dogs, with that dog and my dogs, you know. uh would trail them bears and catch them. They didn't bark much, but they are tree good. And uh, so I was able to catch a few bear around there. And, you know, and I didn't know where to start. Uh, I didn't have no connections with the, with the dog world at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find some dogs and this and that and that, and everybody was telling me about all them kind of dogs and <clears throat> anyway i finally got a couple old dogs and you know and trailing around but uh anyway that's what got me started
1: did i um, so that was primarily bear that you
4: yeah kind of bear and, and some lion too you know but by the time i was 14 i was starting to hunt lions you know on the summertime by myself quite a bit and You know, and when them dogs were having a little trouble trailing, you know, I trailed that damn thing up myself, you know, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, anyway, and then, you know, just kind of worked my way up and been doing it ever since.
1: I'll be dang. And that, how, now, did you have anybody that was kind of a a mentor that helped you get started? You just started on your own? Yes. I'll be dang.
4: Yes, I could get around in the mountains on a horse or mule, you know real good and understood tracks, you know, lion tracks and bear tracks and the age of tracks and everything like that, you know, but uh, uh, and, but I didn't have nobody to tell me or show me about lion hunting and bear hunting. At that time, I learned pretty much on my own.
1: So, did you like running lions a lot more than bears?
4: Well, <clears throat> to successfully catch lions, you know, uh, to me was... a more of a challenge and more of a, of a hard deal than catching bear,
3: mm-hmm. you know.
4: Uh, and we had more bear up there than, than than lion at that time, you know. I'd have to wait till we got down in, to Nevada uh, primarily to run lions. So
1: when did you end up going down to Nevada?
4: Well, uh, we was already going down to Nevada in the wintertime, oh, okay. at, you know, with the sheep. hmm and uh, so I had to hunt lions down there I could. And then by the time I was about 14, you know, in the summertime, I uh, took the truck and drove 300 miles back on dirt road and uh, hunted lions just to, you know, just, I guess, to see if I could be successfully
1: hunting lions. Did you, did you take those same old dogs that you had? or?
4: Well, you know, I had a couple of old black and tans and I was camped over there, you know, near some water living out in a tent. Well, I actually didn't have a tent. I was just living out, you know, by a fire and started checking on this water. About the third or the fourth morning, a lion come in to this water, and I see his tracks there. And so I took them old dogs and started uh, up this lion track. And them old boys, you know, they would, they'd didn't mess around with it a little bit, and I just kept going, knowing it was last night. And finally got over into a little bunch of ledges, and I you know, them dog just fired and opened. And, uh, you know, I knew that I you know, had him jump at that time and they caught that damn thing. So,
1: so you were just, just camped out just, yeah. just so you could hunt. Yeah. How did you, I, I mean, it's funny how someone can get hooked like that at that young of an age. Yeah. Well, you know, all that stuff was part of life for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up
4: out there and, uh, and the, you know, out in the mountains and, you know, there was nothing that I couldn't do with horses and mules or dogs by myself at that age.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, so then you ended up, Did you? when did you move to Nevada?
4: Well, full-time, I didn't move to Nevada till 1977.
1: Uh, how old are you now? Uh, 69. 69. And you moved, is that when you went to work for what you call the company?
4: Yeah, you know, actually I'd been working in Idaho uh, Catching bear and stuff before that. And then uh, they asked me if I'd come to Nevada and help them for the summer mm-hmm. catch lions. So I came to Nevada and uh, f- just for the summer and <clears throat> hunted around, you know. And then uh, uh, that fall, when, and they actually, Idaho loaned me to Nevada.
1: Oh, so you were working for the yes. for the game department? or
4: uh, Yeah, well, at that time it was Wildlife Services. Okay uh US Fish and Wildlife Service. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just loaned me Idaho loaned me to Nevada. In fact is Idaho was still paying me. And then when it when it got time for me to go back to Idaho, Nevada approached me and says, you know, we got to, we'll put a full time job here if you want to stay. So I stayed.
1: You like Nevada better than
4: Yeah, you know, it but it's fun to go back and visit, you sure. know, and, but uh you know, my folks is all gone, and you know, I don't have many relatives left up there, so I don't go back much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nevada is pretty much my home now. So you you've been there by Ely for forty something years. Then? Yeah, forty five years or so. Did you, did you hunt with Wiley Carroll any, or were well, you around it, him? I
4: knew Wiley, and actually, uh, Wiley hunted with me uh, a few times, and we caught lions together. Wiley didn't have no dogs at that time. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, we caught lions together, and, uh, you know, and I've seen Wiley a lot. And, oh, you know, I was in my middle 20s by then, you know. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, we had a good time with that
1: old boy. Yeah. I, we've got an interview of Wiley Carroll, but it's after he'd had a stroke, and uh, it's, he's really hard to understand.
4: Well, you know, Wiley
1: had cancer. Oh, okay.
4: And I don't know if <clears> – <throat> and they uh, – and he had to they went into salt lake and uh they took out part of his neck he'd left him no and cut part of his tongue off
1: maybe that's, that's what it, it was instead reason, of a stroke yeah. yeah i just know on that it, it's pretty hard to listen to i have seen that yeah. i have seen
4: that that video
1: yeah cuz you know you know you want you want to try to understand him cuz he he had a lot of knowledge and yeah. he's a real humble guy yeah and, and that's amazing so when when you went down to Nevada and started hunting lions, where how did you your first real good dog that you thought, man, this is this is the real deal?
4: Well, you know, I don't know, maybe I haven't never found him yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I got some humbling experiences with them with them dogs. You know, I was catching lions and bears and stuff up in Idaho, and and I could come to Nevada or Utah in the winter and catch lions <clears throat> but when uh i was down here you know and called upon to uh hunt lions all summer long you know year round all summer long and uh i know i was kind of you know it was a lot harder for me and uh and the dogs that i came to nevada with that i thought was pretty good dogs you know they was okay dogs they really was and uh until i met uh mr charlie leader and uh, and seeing what a real pack of dogs could do you know really yeah
1: what just what was the difference that
4: you noticed well that? them dogs you know fire up and go out of there you know with intent to catch and and uh you know they was fast fast dogs hard tree dogs good locators with a lot of determination you know and you know they wasn't looking for a chance to quit every every five minutes you know they was looking to to get down the country and get that line caught or get whatever caught that you was after. So he and I hunted a little bit back in, uh, well, we've hunted all of our lives together since then, but uh, uh, this would have been back in about 70, 77 or
1: 78. Is is Mr. Leader, is he still alive?
3: Uh-huh.
4: I'll be there. And
1: and was he a company man also? Or yes. He was. Yes. At that oh.
4: time. And then he ran a successful uh, outfitting business for years on um, line hunting.
1: Did you end up getting some dogs from him or
4: Well, you know, um
1: yes. Yes,
4: uh he shared them he shared them dogs with me or, you know, give me some of them dogs and then as time went on, you know, when Charlie started slowing down and gearing down, you know, life you know, he'd lived a lot of life. And in the end, you know, I was able to return the favor uh you know, with some of the same dogs.
1: Oh, you traded back with him and yeah, helped him but, out. Uh, uh,
4: but, man, that guy had some magnificent lion dogs. I wonder where they came from. Do you know how they were bred? Yeah, I do. <laughs> how was how, how that? Well, it was walker dogs.
1: Walker dogs. You know,
4: walker dogs. Mm-hmm. And the uh, first good dog, you know, he was pretty successful at that. And then, then uh, oh, there was an old boy in California named Ron Graves. It was Bud Graves' son.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: and. Uh, they brought Charlie up a dog and gave it to him, and and then he bred uh, that dog's name was Patches, and uh, Charlie bred that other dog or two that he had around there and got them pups. And man, with them that was good dogs. You know, that was hardcore determined dogs.
1: There were, and I mean the difference is, is is their desire to 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 go catch to to keep moving that track and yes and, and...
4: yes you know uh, there's a lot of dogs that will trail. All day, you know, and uh, never get out of hearing of you if you're standing still. And uh, them kind of dogs don't catch much, you know. They don't yeah. put many many hides on your stretcher as far as lines goes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and they was tough dogs. You know, they could endure a lot of heat and they had good feet under them. And they was kind of a smaller dog. Uh, and kind of, some of them was a little bigger, but most of them was kind of light-made dogs, not not tiny dogs. But, you know, 40-pound, 45-pound dogs, something like that.
1: So, typically, do you think those dogs probably uh, hold up a little bit better? Well, it seems like it. And they take the heat a little better, too. Do they?
4: Yes. And so, Charlie, you know, uh, helped me. You know, he gave me a couple of dogs. And um, and then... uh, you know, I bred, and then we bred the outside dogs and around and around and around, you know. But still to this very day, uh, most of the dogs that I have come from that old boy's uh, bloodline. Really? You know, and that's been 26, 27 generations
1: ago. Have yeah. you have you been able to to breed out to anything else that you think is comparable or? No. Not really?
4: No, you know, <clears throat> uh with that bunch of dogs, I've line bred them back and forth for so many years, you know, and they were really good dogs. And, uh you know, I started realizing with each generation, I'm losing a little bit of ground with this bunch of dogs. Uh, little bit, little bit, you know, there might be one or two that was real good and two or three that was, eh, just kind of fair or something. And uh so one day I went out and found me a really good uh, uh, running type dog and I bred into them and boy that rejuvenated that bunch of dogs and man was they hot and fiery
1: that uh, uh, running walker yes where did you go to find a good running walker
4: in California you know a guy named uh, a guy by the name of George Flournoy was hunting with me he'd come over and hunt with me Mm -hmm. and uh, George had them dogs and So we're hunted together quite a bit, you know, and then finally one day he says, I've got this little female dog over here. He said, would you start this dog for me? And she was a red ring neck dog. He called her Rona. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'll start her. So anyway, he brings this little red ring neck female over there. And uh, she was about eh, eight or nine months old, I guess. And I started taking her to the mountain with me and got on a line track or two and man did that son of a gun fire right now and trailing right now immediately and she trailed fast and go far far you know and uh <clears throat> and was smart about it so anyway uh finally old george raised a litter of pups out of her and uh and he had a male dog there that was a, a red ring neck dog and uh Called Macho, and uh, that dog wouldn't run no bear at all. Wouldn't even go on a bear track. So George says, "I'm going to sell that dog." He, then I says, "Okay, George, what do you got to have for him?" And he told me, and it damn near knocked my hat off. <laughs> but you know that was a really nice dog, and uh, so I bought that dog from George. You went and I bought it. that dog, and and the funny part about it was was when I got that dog at my place. Uh, most of the dogs that I had at that time would out trail him
3: mm-hmm.
4: they would out trail this dog, you know, but he'd never hunted lions. He was a three year old when I got him. He'd never hunted lions much like I do and so pretty well everything without trail him and as time went on, you know another year went on or something you know he was much better than he than he was when I got him mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I bred him to a female. And uh, one of my female dogs. And my goodness, them pups turned out to be unbelievable really? dogs.
1: So they were half running Walker and yeah. half of your mm-hmm. dogs that went back to Charlie, yes, Charlie Leader stuff.
4: Yes. And uh, uh, anyway, so I bred that dog to three different females.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
4: had a total of 25 pups. You know, and 24 of them pups turned out to be unbelievable, outstanding dogs.
1: Really? Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, just moving a track faster. And I, we've been experimenting a little bit with some, some half-running dogs. Uh-huh. And it, I think it's kind of, like you said, that they kind of, they go out there a lot mm-hmm. further. And, and they're not near as, is a, seems like they're not near as babbly and, and sticky. Does that make sense?
4: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, an old-timer by the name of Cecil Dodge uh, that hunted lions or hunted with dogs all of his life, and he lived up in Pocatello, Idaho, and he passed on at 97 years old. And uh, uh, Cecil told me about 40 years ago, he said, and he was hunting with me one day, and he's looking at them dogs, he said, you know, Bueller, the only way you could improve on them dogs that you got right now he said, add just a Scotia running dog to him in there. And I, yeah, yeah. And I never did, you know, and, uh, went on. And then about 15 years later, somehow it got to be my idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, and, uh, it made a hell of a difference.
1: Did it? That's- yeah.
4: Yeah. Them dogs, you know, they run to catch that stuff, you know, and, uh, and they're physically tough dogs. I don't mean to fight, but to endure mm-hmm. their feet. And, mm-hmm. and if they're not, you know, they usually don't stick around my place very long. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't like dogs that open off track and or babble mouth dogs, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, and my, the dogs that I have, you know, aren't that way at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you still hunt off a mule quite a bit or a horse yes.
4: or? Off a mule all the time.
1: All the time. So.
4: Not 100%. You know, sometimes. Uh, I'll hunt out of a, a side by side or you know, just whatever it takes.
1: Sure, sure. So yeah, those mules we we discussed mules earlier. They can yeah. they can they yeah. can sure be frustrating.
4: Yeah, they uh, you know, them good mules is hard to find and good horses, you know, and if after so many years of hunting, you know, you if you hunted as much as I have a foot, good God you'd be wore out thirty years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd be dead and gone.
3: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, do you hunt six days a week, seven days a week? Where- Whatever it takes. Really? Well, you
4: know, if, if if we got line trouble going on, I might hunt 120 days straight. Wow. Without every day off.
1: Just taking care of the problem. Yes. And that's, is it mainly for, uh, uh. Is it in the Bighorn Sheep range or everything?
4: Everything. Um, you know, I don't do so much of that Bighorn Sheep anymore. And our line numbers is actually, you know, getting down. Where, uh you know, there'll be sometimes we don't have too much line trouble anymore. Really? And, you know, in the old days, you know, like 25 or 30 years ago, there was line trouble every week somewhere.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Or, or sometimes several line complaints in a week you know i know i was you know i was i was hunting every day
1: what do you think the difference is do you think there's more lion hunters or or just Yeah, there's
4: more lion hunters now and and uh more technology and the lion numbers are down you know i think they'd be down a lot more i mean i think they'd be down if nobody was bothering them. you know the deer is getting pretty scarce and, yeah and uh nature's kind of you know, and then, uh, them livestock men, they started getting them guard dogs, uh, Pyrenees dogs and, in ways to, uh, helping them themselves too, you know. Yeah, with predation.
1: yeah. 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 I know that happens down in our country a mm-hmm. lot too, you know, and you, it's things that happen that you never hear about.
4: Yeah. So. Yeah. But,
1: uh, yeah. Well, that's cool. That, I mean, so when did you get your first tracking callers? If, well, you, if you even use them now.
4: I use them. You know,
1: <laughs> the
4: first tracking caller I ever got, I never bought one, by the way, but the first tracking caller I ever got, you know, there was an old boy in California, and he'd been calling me for four or five years talking talking about tracking callers. And so he bought a tracking caller, a, a, a system, a Johnson. And uh, I never did meet the guy. Anyway, he passed away. And, uh, one day I didn't know he was even dead and his wife called up and I didn't know his wife either, you know, but she just called up and says, uh, you was friends with so and so. And I said, yeah, well, he passed away the other day and I want to give you his tracking collars. Wow. So she boxed this uh, set of Johnson collars up, five or six collars in the, in the hand unit and, uh, and sent them to me, you know, and so I started using them. You know, and at that point in time, I'd never used it, except when I was, the only tracking collars that I'd ever been around was when I was tranquilizing lions for studies, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
4: on the... On oh, the,
1: and then you put them on the lions. Yes. Obviously. Oh,
4: yes, and then, uh, so that's the first tracking collars I've ever had.
1: Did it help a lot, or did you...
4: Yeah, you know, it did help a lot. Uh
1: yeah change the way you and hunt. It all
4: it, no it, it actually made it a little easier and then besides when i was waiting for a dog to come in i could always fool around with that damn thing it
1: gave you a little more confidence that he was coming in.
4: yeah yeah you know because in the winter time there's always bobcat trappers and stuff around mm. you know
3: and
1: people
4: using snares and bear mm. and traps and all kinds of stuff you know that that uh, it's kind of dangerous for one of your high dollar hounds and uh uh so it, it brings a little peace of mind
1: sure what how about shocking collars
4: you know i've been using shocking collars for a long time uh i started using shock collars maybe back in nine uh 80 no maybe 78 really 78 yeah they,
1: that was when they first came out or whatever
4: and, uh, no they was out you know them lee brothers had had them and
1: Tritronics was
4: making them collars, and, and, uh, well, I had, uh, one or two dogs that was a trashy son of a gun, and, and,
1: uh, I couldn't, I,
4: you know, I was having a hard time getting him broke, and so I bought one of them shocking collars, and. It worked. Yeah, it helped. (laughs) (laughs) It helped. (laughs) And now, you know, I got, uh, uh, I had another guy send me a, a uh, one of them garment collars outfit. Yeah. Now the whole outfit. Now I got about twelve collars, and fourteen collars, and the whole deal. You know, but
1: uh, they're nice, aren't they? Yeah,
4: they're, they're not. They're yeah, not. you know, but if they outlawed them today, that'd be fine with me. Mm-hmm. I'm with you.
1: I call it cheating. I, you know. I not that I don't use it, but I'll pull it out and, you know, and I tell whoever's with me. I say, well, I'm cheating right now. I just, pull.
4: you know, I could always keep track of them dogs pretty good. My biggest deal is if I got back to the truck and I had 50 or 60 miles to go home and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm missing a dog or dog didn't come in, maybe, you know, I'd seen that dog or knew that he was there an hour ago mm-hmm. and now, you know, coming in, now I'm missing him. You know, uh, I can pull that thing out,
1: see where he's dragging up to.
4: Yeah, see what's going on. You know,
1: when you go out, go out in some of those areas. Do you just do you go out there and camp and just stay in the area, or oh, do you yeah. drive back home? We, no, I stay a lot
4: of times out in the mountains. Uh, a lot of times I just stay out uh, sleeping on the ground, or a lot of times I take a, a, t- a camp with me. Sometimes I take a tent with me.
1: What kind of camp do you, a tent or a wall tent? Or well, tent? I
4: got a wall tent, yes, and uh, also I got one of these sheep camps.
1: Oh, you pull behind your truck or whatever? Yeah, oh, okay.
4: You know, it depends on what the circumstances are and what the locale is.
1: Yeah, and the weather, I imagine, yeah. you know, if it's wintertime, you probably don't want to be yeah, sleeping I'll on the ground. Yeah, I'll
4: sometimes take that sheep camp into an area, and I'll just stay in it for like 90 days
1: hunting, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, – yeah. But, and that's an area of prob- where they've been having tr- some depredation, some yeah. trouble and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. and you, you just get in there and start making circles and
4: yep. and, and trying You're to. taken care of.
1: How Those lions, I know it's always a question or, you know, how big or how far they travel, how they travel. You know, I, I've talked to several people and they all say different things. In your opinion, what...
4: Well, I, th- I tell you what, I think they traveled, uh, you know, different distances according to the feed. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's lots of deer and lots of stuff around, uh, you know, like in, uh, out there in Nevada, in some of them little desert ranges, I know for a fact that them lions will travel, you know, eight, 900 miles. Wow. Making a little circle in there, you know, looking for something to eat. Just making a... a, a you know, and they don't make a circle like you know it's not round. or You know, they'll go this way and that They have way. places and, where they hit. Yeah. How how and check, h- and check on waters and do and you know check on female lions and check at this little deer herd or that little desert bighorn sheep herd or mm-hmm. something. You know, yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
4: And then uh, in that snow country, uh, you know, when that snow gets deep and them deer get yarded up you know they don't make them lions don't make very big they're just around in there you they know? can
1: stay right there at the buffet and yeah and, and make a living mm-hmm. hmm. that's amazing that that they i know they've I've, I've seen where they've collared some lions there's an indian reservation down here that has some lions collared and they had some they collared some young toms and and shoot one of them dispersed and went all the way from new mexico all the way up north i think to Wyoming or Montana or something like that. Just yeah, they've walking. known
4: the lions. It's, you know, seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty miles. Wow. Down.
1: So the females? Do you think? I've heard a lot of guys say that they think. You know, they say people don't realize, but there's more female lions than 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 you think. Is that? Do you believe that to be true? Or.
4: I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> let me think about this. I think there's a few more poms born and there's females born uh you know on them studies that's you know we've caught lots of you know several lines on those studies i have
3: Mm -hmm.
4: and uh you know of course i get to see the results and if there's male kittens or female kittens uh you know i can see what's going on and i'd say there's maybe you know maybe uh 55% 55% male kittens born versus, you know, the female.
1: Kittens. And those, those toms will come through and kill those kittens, won't they?
4: Well, you know, I've seen that happen. Have you? I have seen that happen, but uh, I've seen a lot of times when it, you know, there was a tom around there and them kittens were just fine too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, if you, if you were just, if they was to just take you out into some country that you didn't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Have, where do you go to look for a lion sign? I mean, where do if you were going to start a lion try to catch a lion where would you go? Is that one of those top secret things? Water. <laughs> Always water. Start try to try to find the water sources. Well,
4: that's what I that's what I would do, you know, find that water and uh, uh check on them tracks. You know, I don't use trail cameras. Yeah. None of them cameras, you know, uh, If you can read sign, you don't need them cameras. Yeah. You know, I don't anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. (laughs) Come on in. uh, But anyway, usually water is the first place that I check. Yeah. Particularly if it's summertime. You know, if it's wintertime and like right today, you know, you really wouldn't care whether, a lion wouldn't care whether there's water there or not. It's
1: everywhere, yeah.
4: Yeah, but if there's uh, if it's hot in the summertime, them old panthers, they like to come into that water, you know, sometimes every night or most of the time every night. Sometimes they'll go a little longer than that, but sometimes they'll come in a couple times in the night. You know, once early in the night and once just a little before daylight.
1: Is a lot of that when they have a kill close by?
4: Well, yeah, you know, there is... Uh, but a lot of, you know, it's hard to say. There's so many variances in there that I can't tell you, you know, whether you can go to the bank and borrow money on this or that. You know, you just got to kind of do everything the uh, way it plays out, you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen them lions in the, in hot country were known. I knew for a fact what was water there, or what water was on this particular mountain range. And I've seen for a fact that 90 degree temperature, if you're bothering a lion and he gets kind of boogered or maybe you put something there like a sheep camp or a camp trailer or a pickup or a dog mm-hmm. by a little spring, you know, he may not come in for five, six days. I know he probably wants to real bad, but that's going to hold on, hold on, you know, mm-hmm. and uh and uh, waiting. And then I've also seen them, and were, uh, you know, you could be camped there and have a bunch of dogs tied up there, and your mules tied up, and your pickup there, and have a damn lion sneak in there, get, <laughs> get him a little drink of water, and ease on out while you was right, you know, at night, of course, mm-hmm. uh, while you was right there camped, you know. And
1: have uh, you have you had many depredation calls where you've had to come close to towns? And, oh, yeah. and get after a lion? Or...
4: Yeah, right in town. And I really don't like that. You know, that's a hard deal to deal with.
1: Hard thing to turn your dogs loose in well, an area Well, you can't like turn that.
4: them loose in town, you know. You got the neighbors, the uh, whole, well, you know, get them dogs out of here and don't come on here and that lion might get my kid, you know. And, uh, you know, you're better off if you can stay away from them as much as possible. Uh, and sometimes I can't, but, uh, you know, we just catch them lions i don't set traps but a lot of times i can find the lion without the dogs
1: too oh okay
4: you know and and shoot the lion
1: Mm -hmm. that's they said about a friend of mine up here that said i asked him i said who's i said what's his best dog And he said well he's the best dog he's got he can just he can trail him up himself (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) You had a lion jump on you? Yes. How did that happen? Tell me that story.
4: Oh, well. <laughs>
3: wow.
1: <laughs> we need you to come back so you can prompt these. I'm not doing as good a job as you.
4: <laughs> well, uh, I was out hunting one time and, uh, I got this two-way radio in my truck. You know, I can get most anywhere in the state with that radio mm-hmm. and, uh, my radio, you know, broke squelch and, and uh, asked me where <clears throat> where I was at. And uh, a lady just got mauled by a lion on the test site out there in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and just as luck would have it, I wasn't very far away. So they said, well, you got to go back to, you know, go in the morning down there and see about it. So anyway, I go back to where I was staying and I had to take all the excess guns and everything i had out of my truck you know oh yeah and uh, because i was going to go on this test site and and i had to go that next morning i got on that test site i went out through the desert and uh they wanted me to sign this and sign that and say that i wouldn't say nothing what i saw well hell i wouldn't Mm -hmm. recognize anything you know anyway so anyway i got out there and I get up there on that mountain and where that lady was attacked, and I'm looking. And uh, uh, just before I left my truck, I didn't take no dogs with me. I left the dogs in the truck, and I walked up to where this lady was attacked. And, uh, you know, I thought, yeah, maybe I better put my pistol on. It was kind of an afterthought. I got about 20 feet away, and I got thinking about it, and I thought, eh. So I went back and got my gun. And uh, my pistol and went up there and anyway, I found the attack site mm-hmm. and I could see the blood where the line had drugged the woman and uh, found her uh, comb. You know, she had some kind of combs in her hair and hold her hair in place. And I found a bunch of them and found a bunch of stuff there and quite a bit of blood. And uh, as I'm walking around, somehow I heard a little bush crack behind me and I turned Kind of, you know, a little bit, and looked, and boy, that old lion was jumping from my head right at that Jeez. time, you know, you know. Anyway, somehow I throwed my arm up and I got that damn pistol out before that thing got a hold of me, you know, and uh, I shot that lion right in the face at about six inches off that pistol barrel, and that ended the story. What was what was the lion? What? It was a, it was a female lion.
1: She real skinny. Yes,
4: yeah, she was hungry. Yeah. Hunger knows no law.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Have you have you ever had close calls like that before?
4: No, you know I've had a line or two get aggressive towards me a little bit, a little bit uh, aggressive towards me, but uh, uh, not too bad, you know.
3: Really.
1: Yeah. Have you ever been out and I mean, been hurt or anything like that, or had to been, well, been scared be- or something?
4: Well, I got scared a couple of times and I was worried about if I are going to get anything to eat. <laughs> no, uh, I, you know, I've had a couple of free wrecks, you know, but it was nothing to do with the line itself. It was all something to do with the, the terrain, you know, cliffs and, mm-hmm. you know, and
1: stuff and. Uh, Just slipping and falling or.
4: Yeah. You, you know, ever
1: hurt yourself bad like that
3: or.
4: Well, not really too bad,
3: no. you know.
1: I think the, the I'm
4: not sure what the most dangerous thing is, but my biggest thing is, uh, it isn't getting around in that bad country, or falling off a cliff or anything like that. I think uh, I'm a little hard hearing, and I don't hear them rattlesnakes buzz. You know, Oh, no, and I,
3: uh, I, hate I those think
4: snakes. getting bit by the by a rattlesnake for me is probably one of the biggest dangers for me because I don't hear a snake buzz.
1: That's yeah, I could see where that. We have we have I killed lots of snakes. I mean yeah. lots of rattlesnakes and and I've killed them. I killed one on Christmas Eve one year. Oh, yeah, just yeah, after dark. I mean, I was riding out of the mountains and and it fell off of a bluff and was rattling when it fell off the bluff and and it was dark and and I remember sitting there thinking no just keep on riding and i thought no i can't do it so i got my flashlight and went back in there in those rocks and mm-hmm. and killed him you know but I, I get a kick out of these guys that will say that you're not supposed to kill them and, and 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 the guys who say they're not supposed to you're not supposed to kill them don't live in the same country i live in <laughs> because yeah. we got lots of them you know and
4: uh i've had lots of uh, i've had several dogs you know uh wounded or or a bit, you know, and uh, well, it really done a bunch of damage to them dogs. I've only lost I think two dogs to rattlesnake bites, but you know, uh, a lot of hide and a lot of meat sloughs mm-hmm. off of the legs sometimes and
1: I just lost a dog to a rattlesnake bite. My old probably my only really broke dog. Matter of fact she was bred she she a couple of generations back, she went to Steve's dogs and she was real broke. She'd just bark on a line track. You know, I, you know, I wasn't convinced she was just going to go catch you a line, but she'd make sure you knew there was one in the country. And, and, uh, it was my fall. I was up on the side of the mountain and, uh, there was a snake back in the rocks and, and this has only been about three weeks ago and he was rattling back in there and, and, uh, I couldn't get to him. So I thought i would shoot him. And, and so I just you know I was just carrying a 22 with me and I I shot at him and just nicked him and and uh that dog had had enough game shot to her where she heard that shot and here she come you know she came running to the shot and and ran right in there with that rattlesnake and he bit her on the leg and I kept her alive she was already like uh 12 years old mm-hmm. and I kept her alive for a week and and then she she died she finally Yeah died. you
4: know um, uh <clears throat> A lot of times, maybe the best thing to do is just ride off and leave them snakes to their own. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just whistle and take them dogs with you. That's
1: what I should have done. If you fool
4: with them snakes, them dogs will be over there, you know. And uh, I have to leave a lot of snakes alive that way because, you know... uh, I don't want them dogs bit by them damn snakes, you know.
1: Do you all have, I mean, do you have some areas that are real bad, snaky up there?
4: Well, some areas. Some areas, you know, we got uh, them Mojave greens.
1: Oh, they're aggressive, aren't they?
4: Yeah, and, uh, you know, kind of rattlesnakes all through that country. This year, this particular summer, I only killed one or two snakes. However, most years, I killed 30 or 40 snakes. Yeah. But this year it was only two, but uh, several years ago I started giving them dogs that Red Rock.
1: Oh, do you? Do mm-hmm. you think that it helps
4: quite a bit? Oh, I know it does. Does it? It helps 25%.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: And then plus uh, uh, I got another medicine that a, an old veterinary gave me, the recipe down there in Texas. And uh, uh, between that and that Red Rock, I can save just about every dog.
3: You yeah.
1: Know? I. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of dogs bit, but they were always bit in the face. And I never had lost a dog that was bit in the face. Yeah. And, and, but this is the matter of fact, I've never lost a dog to a snake bite, but this is the first, this dog I lost. I mean, but she was also bit in the leg, and, uh, she, and she was old. I mean, she, she had a lot of age on her. So mm-hmm. she was, you know, it, it, it was, it was a bad thing. I I really liked her too. She, I'd had her, I'd raised her from, from a pup and, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, she would. She was a pretty good check dog, you know. She would just, those other young dogs get up there and barking on something, she'd just sit there and look at me just like, boss, are you going to let them do that? You know, she didn't. She was pretty good.
4: Yeah, you know, uh, you get to mounting around with a gun, and them dogs, will, you know, get on the, you know, they'll start to looking to see what you see. Yeah.
1: How, I, I mean, with doing what you do, how broke do you have to have your dogs? I mean, do you keep them just strict, straight, lion dogs, or do you ever run a bobcat? Or
4: No, I don't run bobcats much, you know. Uh, and, and furthermore, I don't know how broke I got my dogs, you know. Uh, I don't have no trouble with them running deer yeah. or elk or coyotes. However, I kind of keep them hunted down. But I know you can break a dog. I feel you can break a dog too much. Oh, and okay. the more you break them dogs off of this and that and the other, the less hunt, or the more hunt you kind of take out of them.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it's like uh, if you're going to run Mustangs, you know, them old timers used to chase Mustangs all the time. And they didn't want some fancy uh, reining <clears throat> horse. They wanted about a half a runaway horse. That's the only thing you really catch them Mustangs. Oh, okay. You know, and... Uh, I've got some dogs at my house, you know, that are dirty, wound up. I mean, they drive most people completely crazy. To me, they're just right, you know, and uh, they're the ones that's catching them lying for me.
1: Have, have you have you ever had dogs that cold trail a coyote?
4: Probably. I don't know if I have or not. But, you know, I've had a lot of experience with with that <laughs> stuff.
3: Uh,
4: uh, yeah probably I don't know if I have or not I couldn't answer that And I'm not trying to hide anything
1: uh, But you probably get your dogs On so many lions
4: You know sometimes I do And sometimes I don't You know sometimes I'll get You know 50 lions a year And sometimes a few more uh, And sometimes it's not very many lions It, it kind of depends on what's going sure. on Sure you know.
1: But if you I mean I, that, I have some dogs that I, I didn't think they did. I'd never heard of that before. But they'll cold track and uh, cold trail an old co- uh, coyote yeah. track, and uh, I didn't. I'd never heard that before. I'd never. I'd never encountered that. And I had some guys from way down in South Texas tell me, say, hey, "You know, you, we think your dogs are cold trailing coyotes."
4: But you know, let me ask you this: uh,
1: <clears throat> Are you sure they was
4: cold trailing coyote? How old do you think that track was?
1: I don't know. I don't know. That's and that's another thing. And how old a lion track do you trail typically? And I know that's conditions have a lot to do with it. But you know, what have you found before as far well, as I
4: know? A little bit about that cold trail. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, you know, really, uh, I would. I don't think them dogs could the trail a coyote track over uh, an hour too old. Really, you know. It's possible, maybe, but uh, I can tell you about them lions for sure. Not maybe, so
1: maybe, but real deal. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, I can, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of understand that lion deal a little bit. Uh, and it's all a victim of, you know, it's all circumstances. I've seen one of them dog trail them lions a week old. I've seen the track every day for a week, bare ground, and haven't trail off with it. You know what? And, um, what what?
1: So, what kind of soil are you are you looking at? are you looking at around rock or
4: no dry ground? Uh, you know, kind of in the springtime, mm-hmm. it's drying pretty good. You know, and the moisture's about right. Maybe a little moisture about a half inch down.
1: Pretty stable conditions, yeah. kind of a fluffy ground. Yeah,
4: not not freezing hard at night. They're mm-hmm. not freezing at all at night. You know, uh, but. Really, uh, for me, you know, I've had them dogs that trail them lions, you know, a pretty old track in the summertime, but for the most part, uh, I usually only catch them lions that last night track.
1: Overnight track.
4: An overnight track. That night's track. Uh, not all the time, but for the most part, yeah.
1: On those older tracks, you have you been able to trail them all day long and... and, and well, Or me, have you dis- have you just decided not to do it? Or
4: Well, both. You know, uh, in the summertime, if you're messing around with a two- to three-day-old line track, you know, the only time them dogs will really be able to work it much is in the shady spots, at the bottom of the canyons, under some rocks, or in big pine trees where the sun don't hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chances of catching them lines, I guess, you know, you could always stumble upon them or something like that, but a lot of times it wouldn't be worth your time to fool with it you know you best be to go on and try to find where that lion went last night
1: so what do you just look at the country and decide that that lion's heading to that part of the range or well or?
4: you kind of try to uh, i don't know you know um
1: uh, you know
4: of course you can, if you're seeing the track you know he's going north or south or east or west you know and, uh, you know, uh, kind of get an idea and maybe drift off that direction somewhere.
1: And I imagine with your experience that y- y- when you look at the country, you have a good idea where he's going.
4: Well, sometimes I get lucky and sometimes I don't.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm trying to get it out of him. But <laughs> there all, the one thing that I have learned in the, in, in from talking to a lot of guys and, and Mr. Smith here as well, is uh, the good lion hunters just have that sense about where they're going? They they just you know they have a uh, they told me that Mr. Fletcher has they said man said he probably he might not have had the best dogs in the world, but he thought just like a lion did, and uh, that's what I've always heard. And who did uh, Mr. Fletcher Orville Fletcher? He's kind of a local guy that
4: yeah I heard the name. Well, you know, there's a lot to that story. You know, I think a, a real good guy that's really savvy about lions and, you know, kind of understands, he's gifted in the first place.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, and uh, if he just had two or three mediocre dogs, you know, he could probably probably still do pretty good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But
4: for us kind of guys, you know, we need
1: better dogs. Yeah, I, I still need to find good ones. <laughs> They're out there. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I enjoy the process. I like to mess with them and everything, but yeah, I like to hear what, you know, guys like y'all have to say about it too. I mean, like that. I have, I think, uh, a revelation to me was I'd always been told, ah, you're not going to trail no tracks, you know, no, you got to trail an overnight track. You can't trail those older tracks down here in this country or whatever. And, uh, friend of mine had a game camera up and I started a lion track and I trailed right through that game camera and uh, I pulled the card on it and I looked and I was 36 hours behind that lion mm-hmm. and I trailed that lion all day long I never did catch up to him mm-hmm. but I trailed him all day long and I thought man all these all these times I was thinking that I couldn't trail that old of a track and I was I mean a lot of times I probably was you know, where I was blaming my dogs maybe for not moving the track good enough or something well know. you
4: know you got to be kind of
1: aware of that you know uh,
4: <clears throat> i place down there to, in my country that i hunt quite a bit and uh so one day this old boy come by and they're hunting he had some dogs he's in california and he wanted to uh, he was an old old gentleman you know but had been hunting a long time and he says why don't you go with me today or let me go with you and i says, okay so him and I took off on our mules and made a little circle in there, and this guy wanted to buy a dog from me. So anyway, we hit this damn line track and we trailed this thing clear out over this mountain down into a canyon down in there, and uh, we were still coming over the top when we got on top. We could hear them; they was treeing. We don't—I didn't hear the jump. I don't know how it went, mm-hmm. but anyway, they was treeing. So <clears throat> we go down there and. and uh, We got this young lion in the tree. I was pretty sure we had a last night lion track. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we didn't shoot the lion. We just let the dang thing go, you know, and circled on back to camp. It was quite a ways back to camp. We rode back by the road. So he says, "Uh, why don't you come hunt with me tomorrow? I said, no, I can't come for four or five days. I got to go something, such a place. Mm Well, he says, do you think you can come this next weekend? I said, I should be able to. <laughs> so anyway, this is, I go back to the next weekend, and I took a different bunch of dogs. We made a little circle back there on that mountain, and on the same ridge that we started that line track, a whole different bunch of dogs, my dog, started a line track. You know, it's springtime. Conditions is pretty good. And them dogs started trailing off, trailing off, and I tell this old boy, I said, man, <clears throat> They're walking the same damn place that that line did last week, you know, and we trail on and on. <laughs> and I would go over the same pass. And uh, dropping off, we got out on top. We got down there, and it was total silence, you know. Uh, uh, and we rode right up to that very same tree, and there all them damn dogs around that tree. I told him, I said, you know, uh this ain't very good, but it ain't bad. And I just whistled and got the hell out of Dodge, you know. <laughs> I'll be there. But so uh, in certain circumstances, in certain conditions, them dogs can really amaze you. And then in certain circumstances, when you think that they ought to trail good and catch this line or at least go a long ways, eh, you know, things don't turn out like you planned. You know, maybe they can't even start the darn thing.
1: Do you think that is much just due to conditions or?
4: Yeah, lots what? of things. I mean, you know, and Steve and I have talked about this many, many times. And there's a few things that's pretty much unanswered. And I don't know in our lifetime, there'll never be anybody that can answer this
1: legitimately. What's that? Just, uh, you know, the what causes it? What? what
4: yeah, the scent conditions. You know, uh, uh, what you think, will, they'll burn this track up. They can't touch it. Now, it's not always that way, you know, but, and when you think, oh, they can't go with this, hell, they'll just run off with it sometimes, you know. Anyway, there's a lot of variances in it that that sometimes there's no answer for.
1: What, what the conditions are when you're there, what the conditions were like when the lion walked through there, what the lion had done prior to that, I mean, that caught, I mean, I mean, I I would imagine that a lion with a, with a belly full would leave a lot more scent, whatever they he's say doing so.
4: they say that you know. i don't know
1: i just you think about all there like you said there's just so many variables that that could affect it i guess
4: you know a one time out on the desert
1: a, a guy called me up uh,
4: and asked me if i'd come down he's the lion killed a bunch of sheep down there that night he called me early in the morning i said yeah i'll just uh catch my mule and be down there. and i had to drive south about 200 miles but you know it's well, uh, it was around the 15th of April. I can remember that because I was hanging around the house. My son was about to be born, you know, so I'm hanging around there pretty close. and So I get down there, and uh, there's all these dead sheep laying there, and this lion that drug these sheep over and covered them up and this and that. And, the other. and I could see where that old lion walked off, you know, and I had about six or seven dogs, good dogs. Well, I thought they were good dogs. Well, they was good dogs. You know, they'd caught a lot of game for me. And uh <clears throat> them dogs couldn't even switch their tail, you know, and it just kept getting a little more ridiculous. Finally, I get off my mule, and I'm leading my mule, and I'm following along this line track, talking to these dogs, trying to get them started on this. Boy, them dogs could smell and smell and smell and smell and smell, and, smell, and they couldn't touch that track. They couldn't even wiggle their tail. So I thought, well, all right, mister. You wanna fight, eh? So anyway, I went home. The next morning I come back down and I left a couple hours early and I come back down and brought eighteen good lion dogs. <laughs> good lion dogs. Eighteen of them sons of the guns. They couldn't do no more than the sea could and I trailed that line by hand two thirds of a day and finally, you know, it just dis- disappeared into the wild blue yonder. I never got a dog bark out of this track. And I mean, and that lion had been back that night, the second night. He'd come back and drug another sheep from over here, drug it up and buried it right beside the one that he had buried yesterday. I said, I never caught that lion. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, when lions is young and they're kind of thin, uh, you know, been kicked off and mother, it's kind of hard to, you know, trail them a lot of times. Yeah. I don't know what the hell to deal with. Boy, I had some, I thought it was pretty good dog, and I did have good dogs. Anyway, I just counted that up for experience and went
1: on. <laughs> but that one you remember. Yeah,
4: I can always remember <laughs> the ones that got away. I a lot better than I can remember the ones I caught. <laughs>
1: what do you think about all these guys using these game cameras nowadays?
4: Well, I don't know. I never needed one myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement.
2: Really <laughs> nice.
4: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. You yeah. know, if I can't go to a to wherever and look and see if there's any tracks there, yeah. I sure as the hell don't need a camera to tell me.
2: Yeah. In yeah. the story. Yeah.
1: I yeah. I think a lot of these, I guess, you know, guys who have full-time jobs, that, that they'll hang cameras, and and now they got these cell phone cameras that yeah. send the picture to your phone, so you know, I mean, but still, you have to be smart enough to know where to hang them at, you know?
4: Well, I know, it. and you know, I don't know, you know, uh, I've caught lions, all kinds of lions, all kinds of country, you know, and shot them, and killed them and but i still like to do it fair
1: yeah i don't
4: like to uh i don't want some phone tell me there's a line that says such a place 15 minutes ago you know five minutes ago if i'll jump my truck and run over i got a five minute old track
1: that's not fair
4: i don't like to do that
1: so how much do you uh how much do you help your dogs with a track when you go out, and do and, and you always find the track, make sure you're going the right direction and everything?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, I find the track, uh, oh, 40% of the time. Do you? Yeah. Uh, and then I always, oh, if I can't catch that, you know, if I can, I'll check and see which way the line's going. If I can.
1: How, and how about trailing ones backwards? Does it, I mean... Does that happen very often? or You know,
4: some, it's happened, yeah. Uh, and myself, I don't like to trail backwards.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of <laughs> people
4: don't mind trailing backwards. Just as, as long as people, they're trailing, yeah. Yeah, as long as there's scent, you know. that. But I particularly don't like to do it myself.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say, I've, sometimes I'm just, as long as I know it's a line, I'm pretty happy we're trailing. Going with the other direction. Yeah, man, the dogs are trailing. I'm pretty tickled. <laughs> <laughs> huh. So do you, I, I, I heard Warner Glenn say one time, ah, oh, these dogs are just as likely to trail one backwards as they are forward. Do you believe that? Or do you think some dogs get a knack of going the right direction?
4: All right. I believe, and boy, this is a, a point that can be argued. Sure. From the end of time. Sure. Uh I believe if... uh I believe a lion, a dog has got more chance. You know, a dog likes to start trailing the direction you're traveling. Okay. So if I'm traveling right out through here, going that way, and a lion coming this way, and them dogs hit it up there, them lions, that dog don't like to come back past me yeah. and go out this way. They want to go the way they're going. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, when you're traveling through the country, uh I think they're more likely to uh, probably go the right way, but I've had dogs uh, that would go the right way a hundred yards and turn around and go the wrong way. You know, uh, okay. good dogs. I mean, at one time didn't do that. Various assorted things made him start doing that. And uh, what
1: do you what do you believe? Do you do you have an idea what those things are that would cause them to start doing that?
4: Well, like one day, uh, I had this really good lion dog. And I called him Ringo. And uh, I hit a lion track on a rainy a rainy day in the morning early. And uh, them dogs went up, and, and I seen the track right away. And uh, this lion can't be 10 minutes ahead of me. You know, so I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to get this lion's skin. Mm -hmm. Here in a few minutes. And uh, anyway, them dogs went up, and I believe that lion jumped up in a tree or got on a ledge right there. And them dogs, you know, messed around in there. And that Ringo made a little circle and and got on that track going backwards. And he never did do that before. And that son of a bitch come back past me and went out this other way, trailing that lion track backwards. You know, I couldn't stop him. I couldn't stop that dog. And from that day on, I finally I finally got him rounded up, but from that day on that dog would always start a line track most of the time the right way and turn and go the wrong way with it. I'll be dang. And he was a good, good lion dog. A really good lion dog. <laughs> uh and I got I got rid of him because of it, you know, and he was my bread and butter dog for a long, long time. I'll be ding. I wonder what caused that. Something in a little brain, you know, a dog's brain ain't got that many wrinkles in it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, that's true. How about lions walking back over their own tracks?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of them dogs, uh Steve had a bunch of dogs that was real good at you know, them lions go out and and uh, on a little point and look around or something mm-hmm. and then coming back over their own tracks, you know, and go the other way for a hundred yards and then go off, you know, not trying to hide their tracks. They were just on their daily hunt. -hmm. You know, and uh, he had probably as good a dog as anybody, or better than most, at at straightening that stuff out. Figuring it out. Them dogs of mine, uh, particularly uh, when I started breeding that macho blood into them, them dogs wanted to go ahead, and you'd better be going the right way
3: because they're
4: going to go that way, you know. (laughs) And most of the time, that was right, but. uh, Uh, them dogs was bad not to want to turn around, hmm. and they still are bad. But still, you know, I'm not gonna lose my job anytime soon because I don't catch lions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: good. That's good. So you don't you think there's less lions now than there used to be? Yes, sir. And and just it could be not necessarily the, the more hunters, but well, just I'll the conditions.
4: What, I'll tell you what, uh, it's a combination of several things
1: mm-hmm.
3: that
4: causes these line numbers to disappear. You know, um, one of them is game numbers, one of them, a few more of them, there's more hunters, uh, and when they had bobcat season, them bobcat trappers caught a lot. Now, you know, a lot of my friends are bobcat trappers, they're trappers. Mm-hmm. I ain't not particularly cussing anybody and I'm mm-hmm. just telling you what I feel, you know. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, the deer number. And, they, and, and then I think that the uh, I think that the fish and game are overestimating the line numbers for another thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard that from several people in different states, different locations
3: mm-hmm.
1: that course you know the lions don't make them any money so they're not they overestimate numbers put out more tags and then well you know yeah 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 and then the snow hunters I you know I had matter of fact Henry McIntyre told me one time he back years ago he said ah he said I could he said I could catch a lion with a poodle up there in that snow <laughs>
4: Yeah, you know, and I feel like I could too. I don't even need a damn dog to catch a lion in the
1: snow. Yeah, you know. I don't. I I don't know about uh, you know how he 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 had just assumed that when I went down there to try to buy a dog from him that that I that I was from up in the snow country, and that's what that's what he'd said. But
4: yeah, you know, uh, I knew Henry. Did you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, y'all traded dogs a few times, didn't you, or did you not, or did you hunt with him, or...
4: Well, I hunted with Henry uh, uh, one time for four or five days. We caught a couple of lions
1: together. Yeah, really? Yeah. Were you down... Did you go down in Texas, or... Yeah. I'll be dang. Down there around uh, Valentine, or... Mm-hmm. I'll be dang. Did you enjoy that country, or... Yeah. Just... I, I have a good friend of mine that hunts some of that country.
3: hmm Yeah,
4: I have. Uh, I... Uh,
1: you, did you? I told
4: old Henry a dog underneath the tree one
1: day. Did you really?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, we started this line track, and I had this dog with me. I took him down there, and uh, not to sell. He was a good dog. Anyway, old, uh, <clears throat> we're right up there, and them dogs hit with this uh, line and killed a deer. And uh, this dog that I had just grabbed that line track and run off over the country with it just going on and uh gone out of here and in two minutes this dog was gone out of here and he had a big voice on him and uh we're messing around there and i tell Henry, i said Henry, we best get going uh that dog you know, around down here so he's going to catch this lion so anyway we took off at a big old high trot, and we go down this canyon and around this big long point it took us quite a while to get around there. We go around this point, and Henry says, "Hey, stop!" So we stopped, and all of a sudden, here this dog of mine comes right off this point. He'd come the full length of that ridge, come off this point. There was a big old net wire, or yeah, net wire fence there, and that dog jumped that net wire fence right in front of us. <laughs> you know, come right up to it and jump that fence. And just went up this other ridge this way and gets up there about 100 yards and just stopped and treeing in this oak tree. And we tied Uh, our mules right there to that uh, net wire fence. We walk up there and we got this damn lion tree and one dog tree in there. So we sat there for about 20 minutes. We can't hear another dog. Henry says, "Uh, I've been thinking, why don't you sell me
3: that dog?
4: (laughs) I said, no, Henry, I ain't going to sell that dog to you. Well, you know, you ought to sell me this dog. and
3: So I don't know
4: how well you knew Henry.
1: I, I just I met him two times. So anyway,
4: Henry had a, always had a big roll of money in his pocket. Great big roll of money.
1: So, old Henry, we're sitting
4: there on a dead log at this lion. And old Henry reaches in his pocket and he pulls out this, um, this roll of $100 bills like this. He licks his thumb. He started counting that money off, you know, and he'd count, he counted $3,000 out, and then he'd look at me like that, and I'd go like
3: that, <laughs> he'd <lick>
4: thumb. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, I don't remember what, but I took most of his rolls. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: and he kept the dog.
1: And he kept the dog. <laughs> I wonder what dog that was. I heard he had a couple running dogs, Flag and Easy.
3: Uh-huh.
1: I think that I heard that were and of course his newt dog, which came from Steve.
4: Well, uh, this uh, this dog here was before any of them. This was back 1980, maybe 1983
1: or four. I'll be dang. Yeah, I met Henry in about that about that time, about 83 or something. I remember going to his place down there in Valentine, and uh, he had lions in cages out there. Uh-huh. He had some cages with lions, and I remember this big old Tom lion in a cage with a piece of plywood and a cinder block on top of the cage, and, and I don't know what he was doing with them, but I know he had a stack of horns out there in the back of deer horns and those goat horns and all kinds of horns, and he gave them to me, and Back at that time, I was so broke. I didn't, I didn't have any money whatsoever. And those horns, I sold those horns at the flea market to an old boy down there at the flea market. I'd take a couple of those horns down there and sell them to him every week, and kind of made me gas money for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, he was, and, and at that time he was real nice to me. He was a, he, he was real. We drank coffee and talked and everything. And then when I went back and seen him later on, it, it was probably. I don't know, maybe fifteen years later, or whatever. And uh, in, 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 I don't think he was in very good health. And uh, he was—he he talked to me. He was pleasant, but he—he didn't—he was in a hurry. He—he he, he was excited to see me leave. <laughs> I'll put it that well, way. He, yeah, I think it was just. Yeah, I don't think he felt good. I think he needed to well, rest. You know,
4: uh, I always got along with Henry, and everybody said that he was a grouchy old guy. And uh, but he wasn't grouchy with me. Yeah. You know. Uh, 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 he just wasn't grouchy with me. You well, i If you know, sure. he was a little grouchy, you know, uh, I don't know what I'd tell him, but it wasn't very good, you know, and he wasn't grouchy anymore.
1: Well, I'm sure that you had, you know, there was a, a, a probably a mutual respect. And here, I, I was just a big old kid that just showed up and mm-hmm. was asking about lion hunting and lion hounds. <laughs> and he probably-
4: yeah. Yeah. Uh, Henry had got some dogs from Warner, and, and I think he got some from Steve and, and, uh, he got two or three dogs from me over the years and you know, I was I was actually
1: good to Henry, you know, mm-hmm. good to him. I always heard that if Henry knew of a good dog that he would pay the money for a good dog. Yeah. That, he, that it didn't bother him to like you said, that roll of, of money, he would slip it out and, and buy a good dog.
4: Bueller. Yes, sir. That's
1: the name of the dog he named Bueller. Oh, he named the dog Bueller? What'd he say? He named your dog he named the dog he got from you Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Are you tired, Smith? No, I'm enjoying this.
4: Well come on in here, God damn it. I need somebody to pour some whiskey for. <laughs>
2: we got another
1: we got another set of headphones in here.
3: <laughs> I'll tell you
2: what, dude, this is worth like thousands of dollars
1: to listen. Well did,
2: get, your, get your
4: money
3: off, Smith. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know he's got I, I, I know he's got loads of stories to tell, I, 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 and of course, I have a hard time. I go back back and forth. I have a hard time staying within the the subject matter at the time.
4: Well, you know, Smith and i uh, uh, we have a good time, thanks, Steve, and uh, uh, we enjoy spending time, and we enjoy talking on the phone, and uh, uh, yeah, we just enjoy each other's company
1: yeah yeah that's you know i got a a,
4: a, and i like you cooking
1: (laughs) (laughs) i got a circle of you know friends that you know and we'll i'm sure y'all do it too and probably do it at a lot higher level than than we do but we call and we just discuss you know discuss things that have happened and 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 dogs and where we're going and what we're doing and stuff like that. And and it's guys that you can kind of trust and, yeah. and guys that you enjoy. You know, you enjoy their honesty because there's so many guys that, you know, I've had guys call me up and ask to buy a dog from me, and then they tell me they caught 40 lions last year. And I said, why in the world do you want to buy a dog from me? If you caught that many lions, I'm going to go get your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, that's the deal with old Steve and I.
4: Uh, we've known each other, I don't know, quite a few years, but uh, during them, them years, you know, we've we've got a lot of dog stories, and we know a lot of the same people, and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, pretty much, uh, it's just been good for both of us, I'd say, you know. and
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you guys are, I mean, being able to hear stories from you guys have done it for so long, and you've seen so much that it's it's. I, you know, it's beneficial. I mean, and me from a selfish point of view, like I told you, I just, I just enjoy that I'm here and being able to, I can share it with other people, but I'm, I like, I do it for myself too. So I can, I can hear the stories and I can, and try to, you know, try to glean a little bit of knowledge that I can, that I can use myself.
3: Yeah.
1: Steve,
4: so, why don't you put a set of these headphones on? Don't worry
1: about it. No, no, I'm going to get it done.
4: We might not be done. We might still be talking tomorrow. Yeah,
1: this might go. This might be a five-part series here. (laughs) All right, so we'll start it right now. We, uh, Mr. Smith, came in the house here or in the cabin, and and he's going to tell us a story about Mr. Bueller.
2: Ah, you know what? I forgot the story already. I'm going to listen to you guys some more. I've been enjoying it. I've been in there listening to it.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, we've had a good conversation so far. I I, uh, I know there's lots more stories in there. Because, what, 40, 49 years of, of of hunting lions for the company alone.
4: Yeah, you know. and uh, But I hunted a lot of bear and a lot of and lynx.
1: Canadian oh, wow. lynx, too, before, prior
4: to
3: that.
1: Up there in Idaho, yeah, I'll be dang. How how are they to hunt compared to everything else?
4: Well, I don't know. You know, uh, uh, I always went in, and, and I hate to hunt a foot, mm-hmm. but I had to hunt on a foot at that particular in that area. You know, on account of snow mm-hmm. and uh, or snowshoes. Mm-hmm. And man, I'll tell you what, I almost would have took a whipping, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to. You know, catch some lynx cats, uh, Canadian lynx. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I go in there, And you know, and I caught a few Canadian lynx and, uh, enough to satisfy my appetite. And, uh, you know, do, you ever, do you ever run many bobcats or? Yeah. I run bobcats. There ain't much I run, you know.
1: <laughs> do you, I mean, do you try to break your dog now that you're a line hunter and you have been doing it for so long? Do you try to break your dogs off of Bobcats?
4: You know, uh, my dogs are pretty easy broke
1: mm-hmm.
4: off of Bobcat. You know, uh, I don't really have much trouble uh, with with dogs running Bobcats.
1: Really? Uh,
4: very little now, unless I promote it, you know. You, is, is that
1: is that because you get to get them on so many lions yourself? No, I don't
4: know. Uh, bobcats is kind of hard to trail in our country, my country, and in, uh, in the daytime. Mm-hmm. And I don't hunt at night much. Mm-hmm. Mostly hunt in the daytime, you know, almost always in the daytime. The only time I'm out at night is when I haven't made it back yet, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And,
1: uh, uh yeah. So... Have you have have you and Mr. Smith traded dogs before in the past?
4: Well, you know, Steve gave me. I have uh, four or five of Steve's dogs at my house, mm-hmm. and uh, over the years, and they really helped me.
1: Really, you know,
4: and they're a different type of dog than I had,
1: uh,
4: and they help me because they are different. In
1: in in what way? How would you describe? Well,
4: that? Uh, the dogs that Steve's got uh, for me. Uh, they help me start them line tracks, and they're pretty damn dependable
3: mm-hmm.
4: dogs. You know, I mean, they're pretty broke dogs, break-easy type dogs, and mm-hmm. stay broke. And, uh you know, you can lay them off for a month or two at a time and take them back to the mountain and not have a deer race or a coyote race or, or anything except the lion track, you know. And uh, they're real good start dogs, and they're real good cold trailers. Mm-hmm. And they're good tree dogs.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh
4: they're reliable broke dogs, you know.
1: With some of your running dog crosses, did you did you ever have trouble with them treeing? No. They all treat all right.
4: No, I never have had trouble with them dogs. In fact the only, I,
1: the only type of
4: dogs that I'll breed to is them uh, them uh, dogs that'll tree, you know, them okay. running dogs. I have had dogs that wasn't running dogs that didn't tree, but were trailing some of the guns. Yeah. You know. And
1: you want to jump in on some of the dogs, Mr. Smith?
2: Oh, you know, it's been really, really interesting. You know, everybody's got their own dogs that they go back and like, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys talked about Mueller's original dogs going back to Joe House and House is And did you guys talk about that? No. no. <clears throat> anyway, those walker dogs at that time were just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dale Lee had a, a pup out of Spring Creek Rock. He told me he could trail with any blue dog that the Lee brothers ever owned. And uh, back at that time, Larry Hendricks bought a dog from Joe House, out of, from, Joe House from House Houses Bolly and Bixler Supreme Sally, and that dog was phenomenal. And a lot of those dogs, or most of those dogs that Bueller's got, I think came from those dogs originally, and of course he's done some other stuff with them and uh <clears throat> but anyway it's been a long I can't remember bueller when did when did Roy McBride put that little deal together?
4: Well, I don't know, but
2: it's got to <laughs> be about fifteen years ago I'd say, and uh that was a real neat little deal and uh i don't know how many guys were there what around 10 guys
4: yeah there was nine guys i think and uh that uh, warner's daughter was going to be there and then she had to stay and milk the
2: cows
3: yeah <laughs> Well,
2: was that a little gathering that y'all had or roy mcbride put it together and uh and it was you know and i thought when the deal started i thought oh, i don't know about that deal you know everybody up there it caught more lines and more stature than me. And I was glad to be invited, but I thought, I don't know about going up there to that thing. And and I kind of thought, you know, there'll be a bunch of blowhard stuff. And it wasn't that way at all. And uh, anyway, and so that's when I met Jim and Leader. And I hadn't, I didn't, I'd heard of them, but I never had met them.
1: And uh, it was
2: a good deal. You know, we got together and Mm -hmm. yeah, it was real good. And did they have that down in Texas
1: there?
3: No, we
4: had it up to New Harmony, uh, up to Charlie Leader's house. Oh, the, okay. The first one, the first one that uh, that we we did, and uh, we was there for four or five days, and uh, we cooked out. You know, well, excuse me, we cooked, uh, we barbecued every day and uh, cooked outside most of the time, and and ate in the house and ate uh, right outside, and and we all had different subjects we talked about, you know, and. Uh, some guys talked about dogs, some guys talked about number of lions, the number of animals that lions kill, multiple kills, mm-hmm. and, uh, all kinds of different things like that. Nick created a friendship with about 10 different, nine, 10 different guys around the country. You know, the guys were actually really probably the most lion, the most experienced, lion hunters in the world.
2: Oh yeah, I,
1: I I I've never I've had people tell me that I need to go down and talk to Mr McBride, and what? I don't know him at all. I know he's there in Alpine, Texas, I guess, mm-hmm. and and he's got a thesis that he wrote on a, on on I guess a study that he helped out on on lions. That yeah. the, the guy's supposed to send that to me, and and so they say it's real interesting. I know that he said in that thesis he said you can and it's similar to what you had said earlier he said that you know trailing older lion tracks but the lions you catch are 4 hour old or younger or or less tracks mm-hmm. and and I know he said cuz a guy sent that to me he he made sure that I seen that part of it <laughs>
4: so. yeah that's hard it's hard to say you know about them lion tracks you know sometimes you can trail a an 8 or 10 hour old lion track just just like a house on fire, you know, and and then sometimes a two-hour-old line track, boy, you just really struggle with it in the same type of temperature. You know, when uh, people think, well, it's the humidity, it's this and that and the other, there's so many variances in it. You know, and Steve put that better than anybody. He told me one time, he said, you know, we'll never be able to be 100% positive of the answer to that, and he's right, you know. Uh, We'll see something today and think, okay, we got this deal figured out, and the next day it'll make a damn liar out of you, you know?
2: Yeah, the Earl of Suffolk in 1790-something, he wrote that um, the only thing constant about sin is its inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Too many variables, just like Bueller says. But if you can discern, which Bueller does... It can mean the difference between being successful or not. Yeah. And uh I wrote a little bullshit book. I what I answered. Yes, anyway, and it's controversial since, you know, you talk about people well, I've seen Clell and Dale Lee, you know, rattle the spoons on the table that's not right brother
3: you <laughs>
2: they were brothers you know arguing with each other <laughs> yeah the best there ever was as far as i know yeah and uh but when, any you got to dale, you hunted with dale some didn't you yeah yeah dale called <clears throat> and said um would you hunt my dogs he said i'm going to sell them i said i'd be glad to do that and i went and Took possession of the dogs, and it took him a year to sell the dogs. And um, and he called me and he said, uh, Riley Miller has bought the dogs. He said, I want you to deliver them. I said, I'll do that. And I said, tell Riley that them dogs barked treat all night, and we killed a lion at daylight with that set of dogs. Right that was that day, yeah. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> you know, there was everybody had their own guy that they thought was, you know, more than everybody else. Sure. If you were at Prescott, it was the Goswicks. If if you were in Southeast Arizona, you know, and you had a hound dog rig, they'd say, What are you doing down here? This is Warner Glenn's country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh same deal, this country here workmen you know, dominated. But I'll tell you the Lee brothers were phenomenal. Yeah. Not only as breeders, but the thing that set them apart was 125 jaguars. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, set them apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: you want to say how long you've been you've been messing with the hounds or
2: Yeah, most of my life, you know, since I was 12 years old and uh I'm 70. And, but it took me a long time to get to where I could catch a lion. It didn't come easy for me. <clears throat> what? Was it the just the caliber of dogs you
1: had, or was it you, or combination? Or
2: I never got around anybody that was a dry ground lion hunter till I was older. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I read Full Cry religiously, and I thought I was you know pretty much an expert. But, <laughs>
3: <laughs> but
2: anyway. Uh, but I was going to say something I was listening to you guys when I was laying there out next door about the lion numbers. <clears throat> when we went up there to Charlie's when those 10 guys got together, the consensus was when they came out of there, everybody agreed, wherever state they were in, you know, and there was Texas and New Mexico and Nevada and Arizona, Utah, lion numbers. Are always overestimated mm-hmm. and everybody agreed with that yeah and uh, and I think it 's true. I think that if the the department knew what the numbers were, not that we 're out of lines, mm-hmm. but it 's just they say that there 's more than there really is, yeah, I believe that 's true yeah
1: i mean do you do you believe that there should be something
2: done? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that there 's I think we're going to lose this deal in Arizona. Do you? Yeah.
1: I know they've been
2: uh,
1: they've been trying yeah to to get rid of it. You know, get rid of the hunting of lions in the last few years uh, because we contributed to here a couple years ago. They had a big initiative or whatever. They were trying to get rid of it yeah and and, uh, that's when they kind of compromised
2: and took the hunting away for like a I guess a couple months during the year well I was actually responsible for that and that's another whole story and it'd take a long time to talk about it but but I instigated the summer closure here and uh and there was a lot of emotion over it there was a lot of people mad at me over it but uh, but it didn't stop lion hunting you could still do depredation work in the summertime but it made it appear that we were trying to protect kittens
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and but i think in 24 you'll see a ballot initiative come here and um and Arizona's not red anymore you know we're i don't know that we're blue but we're certainly purple Mm -hmm. and all these prunies that are coming over here it's going to be hard to not lose it and i don't know that hound dog guys you know they're all genetically flawed we can't get together <laughs> and agree on what color the dog is you know so we ne- we're, we're not a force but anyway i'm talking too much i want to be no prepared. no
1: I, I i agree with you on the hound dog you know especially the you know the coon hunters they all and the bear hunters to an extent they all get together and they have big camps and they <laughs> they hunt together and they do and lion hunters are more of an independent, solitary, solitary type person that, that kind of goes out and does their own thing. Well,
4: you know, you really can't, uh, you really can't hunt bit lions. Pick, in that, big, pick that up a little bit, least.
1: Thank you. In
4: big groups. Yeah. You know, uh, it don't work out that well. And, uh, you know, the most successful lion hunters in the, in the country, guys that ease through the mountains with these mule or dogs or horse or whatever, you know, and... Uh, kinda of, kinda of easing around and catches a lion and most of the time he's not very voiceless, you know. Yeah. He's not down there, you know, telling whether how the cow ate the cabbage. Mm. And uh,
3: Yeah.
1: It's a different it's a different a different deal, you know, and I found that out. But the thing that I think that's what has attracted me to it more than, you know, the coon hunting or the bear hunting because for the most part I mean, I get a lot of enjoyment out of just riding through the riding through the hills and not and and deciding where I'm going to go, you know, and not having a bunch of guys say, "Oh, let's go here, let's go there, or whatever." I just like to kind of pick my own way and, and figure it out.
4: Well, Steve always said that the lion hunters is the most elite group in the country, and I believe him. You know, uh, I had never looked at it that way. You know, I was always busy doing my own little thing, which you know was out in the hills somewhere by myself, usually you know fighting the elements and cold and windy and sunburnt and whatever <laughs> and uh and old Steve kind of put it in words for me, yeah, that I could understand and uh yeah, and I have you
1: you'll get the bobcat hunters that that yeah. <sighs> you know of course that no matter what you, who you talk to everybody will say that their own area ha, has the toughest conditions you know they'll just and they'll and and the bobcat hunters you know from the from the uh, northeast you know they'll say oh anybody can catch a lion you can catch a lion with anything but i think you know they don't know what conditions are like down in this country and and then you know and then the, you got those guys up there that hunt bobcats and then you got the guys down in in waste down in south west texas down there and you know they catch a ton of bobcats i mean that friend of mine he caught 70 something bobcats last year but they got bobcats like we got jackrabbits
4: yeah well and you know something else is uh <clears throat> you know them guys hunting them bobcats down there or hunting them bear most for the most part are riding around pickup trucks mm-hmm. they're in pickup trucks at night and pickup trucks in the morning most of the time, we're not in pickup trucks. Uh, you know,
2: we're yeah. up on that mountain. Humidity. Yeah. Most of them guys, they dogs run with their heads up. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you the guys' names, but three, I think, famous bobcat hunters came and hunted with me, and really good guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and they told me, they said, you know, we're going to bring our dogs out here and they're just going to run plumb away from your dogs and just leave and go catch the line. I said, "Well, if that happens, I said I'm going to buy the dogs." <laughs> and they said, "Well, if we didn't want to sell them, I said I'd go ahead and kill you guys and take the dogs." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I like that. I
4: like. Well, that. it's true. So that's what the, that's what I got to go. I'm scared to
2: death. (laughs) You you don't bring your dogs up here, do you?
3: Anyway, them
2: guys all came, and we would trail depending, you know. There's so many variables about the scent deal, but we would trail sometimes two hours and sometimes four hours, and them dogs never whipped whipped their tails. They didn't know anything was there. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh you know, when it got to where you know it got getting ready to catch the thing, they'd run off and leave my dogs
3: mm-hmm. they
2: they were freer and uh and had value had value but uh it's a different deal altogether. It's not something that's good or bad; it's like they're both it's apples and oranges, they're all fruit and uh but generally speaking, it takes Different kind of dogs in a pack. It doesn't hurt to have one that is long on something and mm-hmm. and another one that's long someplace else. So you think it's a benefit to probably have a mixed <clears throat> pack? Well, I breed. You know, my whole life I've bred to breed the best dog that could be. Yeah, and that he can do it all. Mm-hmm. But that's rare. Yeah, them things don't come around much. And uh, and in this country,
1: you would emphasizing your breeding probably more on nose, wouldn't you? I mean,
2: <clears throat> you know, um, there's dogs in this country that are colder than my dogs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: By quite a bit. In, the, in other words, my dogs are not necessarily, you know, that say, well, those dogs are real cold. No, no. they're cold enough to catch a night old lion track.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But... A lot of those old, real, cold loaves dogs don't care if they put anything on the end. And a lot of them are not too smart, and yeah. they're discontent to trail. Mm-hmm. And uh, the dogs that Bueller's got and the dogs that I've got, their only reason they're trailing is to put it, something on the end. They and,
1: want to see the end yeah, of it. Yeah, and they're smart.
2: Mm-hmm. That's another, you know, they'll they might have to do something to think it over to get it done yeah do you
1: think do you think a lot of that is uh genetics or do you think that is because you guys have been able to show them, show them enough lions where they know that there is
2: something at the end of that track
1: genetics you think it's genetics
2: yeah I think so they're born they're born and uh just like race horses and milk cows so so one day the Lee brothers were traveling and Back then, you know, no cars. They were riding horses and had a wagon or whatever. And here comes Lily. And they meet. And Dale told me, said, Lily, come over there and said, would it be all right if I could look at your dogs? And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be fine. So he walked through the dogs and he stopped over there and came back and looked at this one dog. He said, I'd like to breed to that dog right there. And Dale says, why is that? And he said, because that's the smartest dog here. And Dale said it was the best dog we owned. You know, that's amazing. How did he know that? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's that brain.
1: It's that brain well, it's, along with everything.
2: Yeah, you know, there's so many things involved. You know, but brain is a starting point. Yes, you can't have a stupid dog. You mm-hmm. can't fix it. Yeah.
4: You know, brain and, no, and a physical tough dog—not yeah. to fight, but to endure.
2: Yeah, to endurance. Yeah, yeah. That's the two
4: most important things that you want.
2: That's—it's kind of like that video I have of,
1: of Henry McIntyre. They ask him, you know, what do you what do you want in a good dog? He said, a big heart and good feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's—I guess that makes sense. That, that,
2: that's that's
1: a that's interesting. That. that I don't know. We always, you know, we always sit around and talk about dogs and, and, of course, our knowledge is pretty limited. But, man, you guys, how many years have you been? You're 70, 70, how old?
2: Mister? 70 years old.
1: 70 years old and you've been running hounds since you were 12, 13 years old?
2: 12 years old, but I wasn't catching lions consistently till I was 32. What,
1: what do you think clicked? What, what caused What getting into better dogs or
2: did your education... I got a good dog. You got a good dog. Yeah. That was the whole deal. Yeah. Where, where'd you get that dog? It's a long story. And, uh, we'll tell one of these days, I'll tell you, but it's, yeah, let's see, see, uh, I'm going to have to come back. <laughs>
3: it's, it's a long
2: story, but, uh, but them things are born. They're born. Yeah. Them things are, you know, and a lot of it, you know, Hendrix used to hunt across the river. And we'd raise a the litter. They were the same dogs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and Larry would always catch twenty five lines every winter, and I would always catch twelve or fourteen.
3: Mm-hmm. And uh, and y'all and he, were
2: hunting the same, basically the same country. He was hunting the north facing hillside. It, he had a little better country to trail in, as far as trailing conditions was such, and uh, and he hunted every day. You mm-hmm. know, i had a ranch to he had a ranch to run. Yeah. But Hendricks was twice as good a line hunter as I was. That's the truth of the matter. But we'd get, at the end, he'd always say, hey, come over and we'll go catch a line together. So we'd have these pups. there would be two-year-olds and four-year-olds and that we'd raised and split. Mm-hmm. And and his dogs was always better. Mm-hmm. So they were all good dogs. But, you know, Bueller catches 50 lines in the summer. That's, that's phenomenal, oh, man. that's, you know, that you can't take that experience away from it. No. It's just unbelievable what it does. for you.
1: Or making dogs. I mean, yeah. Lord have
2: mercy. Yeah. You get to look at that many lions. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: I can only imagine catching that many lions, how good your dogs could be. Yeah.
4: Well, they're sharp and they're, you know, they're wore down they're sharp and. Uh,
1: wore down. I've, I've heard you say that now three times. And it, it is that. Uh, that's when you say they're wore down, that means they're not, they're less likely to be trashing and dicking around and doing stupid stuff.
4: Well, you know, a war, what I call wore war down is a dog that's been hunted, you know, hard and he don't have no uh, nonsense about him. He's not barking off track, not overrunning the track. He's hunting. You know, when them dogs get about half tired, sometimes they get more deliberate. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, they get really. Really deliberate and, uh, uh, you know, I guess that's the only way of putting it. Uh, but I had that, uh, this dog named Cedar, you know, uh, I would imagine that dog had seen 400 lions at the time he was, with the time he was too old, you know. Wow. And, uh, I'd hunt that dog 100 to 140 days in a row without ever a day off. Wow. And that son of a bitch could catch a lion coming, going, flying through the air.
1: Tough. Yeah.
4: He didn't give a damn. Mm-hmm. He'd catch that thing. That's his job. You know, and he was a, he was one of them walkers that uh, that come out of that house blood.
3: Hmm. And the yep. uh, fact is, he
4: was one of the first ones. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a very big dog. But at dark, you could start a line track at, Daylight on bare ground, a hundred percent daylight, or a hundred percent you know last night line track, and come nightfall, you might be fifteen, eighteen miles away with that track, and he's still trailing that line like like uh you know he's been trailing fifteen minutes, only he's been trailing it ten or twelve hours, you know, wow. and he trailed it on a run, yeah, uh you know he didn't walk when he trailed it. Mm-hmm. He loped when he trailing when he cold trailing, and he might pick that thing up a tree at any time, you know, and you just have to be tough enough to stay with that little cat and uh every dog that I got now, with the exception of the the dogs that I come from that come from Steve, go back to that dog and uh
1: you know uh so. So you guys are talking about going back to some of those, you know, the house Bali, and the, those were pretty prominent coonhound dogs, coon dogs. Mm-hmm. Do you think any of that blood is still available to where people could go back? Do you think the coonhound breed, do you think they've been or the coonhound dogs or coon dogs have been bred so much for competition now? That they're not not worth breeding to. Well, they
4: they went downhill. That's for sure.
1: Because of the competition. Yes, yeah.
4: you know, and we're not trying to go back to them. We're trying to move forward.
2: If I knew that I could buy a dog like Bueller was talking about, or like that cross that when Hendricks brought that dog from House of Ball and or Supreme Sally, I'd buy one in a minute. Really. <clears throat> oh, hell, I and I'd spend a whole bunch of money on it. And, you know, and I can tell you, like, we bre- bred a dog out of Lee's Cougar and a gold coin jip. Larry Hendricks had the dog. And uh, unbelievable lion dog. I'd give $25,000 to breed to that dog today. Oh, I'd give more than that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That big a difference. That Well, it's got to be... Brett, where a lot of this stuff that's going around right now, Ben Lilly couldn't make a dog out of them. In other words, the hound deal has regressed. Yeah. Race horses run faster. You know, everything, everybody has done more. The athletes do more. And, uh, but people got to breeding hounds. This is my own personal opinion that quit hunting them. Yeah. And, uh. You know, a guy shouldn't breed a hound that you can't catch a lion with. That's true. You know, there's the deal. And uh, anyway, but the hound deal, when I was a kid here, there was 10 or 12 dry ground lion hunters. And you could go to any of them and buy a pup from them and had a good chance that the dogs would trail. You could make lion dogs out of them. And that's simply not true today. A lot of these dogs... I don't know. What do you think, Bueller? Would you concur to that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, you'd just be wasting your time. Yeah.
4: People don't know what good lion dogs are now. Uh Not every, you know, m- most of the guys that's got dogs running around with a snowmobile and, you know, looking yeah. around and they don't understand. But that's good that they don't understand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I've been listening to this deal, and Bueller has been giving you guys a few nuggets that I didn't think he'd give, you know and
1: uh <laughs> oh, well, I, I try to ask the right questions. you <laughs> are know. you're
2: asking the right questions, you know but but uh you know, there's just more demand, there's more people. And uh, modern mechanization has taken away the skill that people used to have. Yeah. It's just ruined it. And uh, less lions and lazy. Yeah. Work ethic. You get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and feed the mules, you know, for 300 days out of the year, you're looking at the only guy around here that's caught 1,000 lions. Yeah. That's it right there. There's Bueller.
1: Yeah. And that's... You know, like when I was talking to him before about when he went into an area, you, you know, he camped right there, slept on the ground and, mm-hmm. and hunted that, might hunt that area for 90 days, you know, to clean it up. Uh, that's, man, I go out and I hunt for two days. I got to go back to
2: work Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back to work and pay there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those old Lee brothers, you know, they'd catch all the lions in the mountain range and then they'd, they'd drive 20 head of horses you know, 30 miles to the next mountain range. They got over there. There wasn't any cold Bud Light or Fat cow meat. They had to kill one of them mares to feed the dogs. You know, it was tough. Yeah. They
1: were hungry. The
2: dogs were hungry. Yeah. And when they caught something, it was a celebration. They yeah. got to eat again. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, um, I sent those tapes up there to Bueller of Dale. And uh, anyway, and I got to thinking, you know, Bueller, Bueller and I, we're going to die here. It ain't going to be too long. But Bueller's got a world of information. Yeah. Yeah. That he learned when he was 16 years old. See, and so he's known it so long that he thinks that you know it too. Uh, You know, and and you're exactly right
1: about this. I mean, that that a lot of things you don't know that you assume, or you assume that everybody else knows too. But it's those little things that make. Little things that will make big difference, and that's
4: always a big deal on that mountain line. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a, one big thing. It's a whole series of small things. Making the right moves at the right time, you know, starting with getting up in the morning. Yep, and just making them right moves, making them right moves.
1: I mean, if y'all were going to get up and go hunting tomorrow morning, I mean, we've got had the rain and everything. I always heard that Henry McIntyre said. That after it rains like that, you shouldn't hunt for, don't even mess around with it for three days. Is that?
4: Yeah, that's kind of true.
2: Is that about right? I kind of
4: think so. Yeah, that's true.
2: Thomas is going to come over here and torture us tomorrow and make us go. But he just uh, wants to see us. That's yeah.
4: all that's amounting to. He just yeah. wants to spend time with us. But it, it isn't really about catching lions. It's for Thomas. He just wanting to. Spend time with us. Yeah, so but it, he, good. he he may not even put it in words. But Steve and I already know what the little asshole's done. <laughs> He's uh.
1: This, oh, excuse me. <laughs> this,
2: that's all right. We we're not. <laughs> it, but this kid is unbelievable. Really? Yeah. He gets I'm after it. Oh. That was the kid that
4: followed us down today. You know. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: He's unbelievably talented. Really? Yeah. And that talent is just <laughs> the is it. The desire to do it. You know,
4: it's something I think most people the good ones are born with.
1: Mm-hmm. And
4: the and the ones that aren't born with it can get to be mediocre at best. But the ones that and are you born just, with
2: you it just are the me, ones you that just you just made me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. I'm just teasing. I watched it, you know, and, and Mueller he don't he hadn't said, you know, he hadn't told you nothing. He was not gonna try to But whenever things impossible. You've trailed all day, and you think, I'm going to catch this line. And then all of a sudden, you got this horrible news. Mm-hmm. And you think, what the hell happened here, you know? And there's all these variables. And then in the end, I've sat there and watched old Hendricks, and he'd turn his head, and he'd ride off and call the dogs. And he'd go over there about a half a mile, and we'd catch a line dealer does the same thing every day and he'll make a decision <clears throat> you don't know why he'll say come on dogs we're going to go on
4: yeah and maybe maybe he don't know maybe hendrix, hendrix don't, know.
2: don't know either if you ask it's, him it's it's intuition well it's he, it's just something, something that comes to you
4: yeah. workman, it's something you're born with
2: yeah workman was that way i don't have it i don't have it you know wow. i had to plod along follow the dogs yeah and uh, but i've seen guys dale was unbelievable yeah. Unbelievable, and when I first hunted the day, first I hunted with him, I thought, this is a magic show uh, yeah uh, this is this guy's a clairvoyant. Uh, I thought I don't know all the bases that I believed in was all went up in smoke watching old Dale the first day, really, yeah,
1: yeah, I remember I talked to you on the phone one time, and you told me about about Dale telling you. Do you want to hunt where the lion's been, or do you want to hunt to where he, where he went to? Yeah. About going to a mountain range or something. Could
2: you, do you remember that story? Could you repeat it? So I had a hunter, one-armed guy from Wisconsin. His name was Walter Rail, and his wife was named Beth, and really a nice gentleman. All his life, all he wanted to do, catch a lion, and he, he didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, but he finally decided, he started calling me and writing me letters. and I told Dobbs I said, this guy's going to be a problem, you know. And anyway, so they came, and it was, he had a big old bus that barely got in there, and Beth was scared. They couldn't get out the road. And anyway, <clears throat> so Dale was there at the ranch, and I was hunting his dogs, and it rained, and it but it broke at midnight. I got up, and uh, so I went over there, fed the horses early, and went over there, and Dale was up. And I said, you're going to ride today, Dale? He was on that oxygen. You know, so he was have a hard time breathing. He said, yeah. I said, I think I'm going to try to ride today, see. so, So I thought, well, we'll go first day of the hunt. We'll try to go a little shorter circle, you know. So we were coming in. <clears throat> And it wasn't late, you know, it was probably 1 o'clock. And I see this Dale's Joe dog smelling pretty high on the brush, and I knew, you know, immediately this was a phenomenal strike dog. I turned around to tell Dale, Joe's about to strike on a line, and Dale was, you know, looking at the dog. He, I didn't have to say nothing. Well, I ran over there, and there's a scratch, and the scratch is going south going the other way going the other way and uh, we'd been riding on the track see they couldn't smell it it was made you know probably seven or eight o'clock and it rained on it and cleared we'd been riding on the track we couldn't see it there was rocky and stuff but joe could still smell it on that brush so we went on in and unsaddling and uh started raining rained a little bit more. And anyway, Dale says, where do you think that line's at? I said, uh, well, I said, I pointed down there, and this is my country.
3: Uh-huh.
2: You know, I've caught not a lot of lines, but enough, yeah. I've caught some lines there. And I showed him down there, McGee Mountain. I said, that line's down there on McGee Mountain right now. Dale, he didn't say nothing never. this is the first day he's ridden there. He don't know nothing about this country. So, so I got to thinking about it. And I said to Dale, I said, uh, about an hour later, I said, where do you think that line's at, Dale? He said, well, he said, uh, that's really not your problem. He said, your problem is, is where's that line going to be tomorrow? I said, Well, I guess that's right. He said, well, that is right. And I said, "Uh, so what do you think, Dale, I ought to do? He said, that line will go right back up that ridge and scratch to the north tonight. So I got up in the morning. I said, you going to ride, Dale? He said, where are you going? (laughs) I said, I'm going down there to McGee Mountain. (laughs) I said, I figured that. I went down there and rode all day and never hit nothing. It started raining and old Beth got up and the bridle wanted out of there afraid they couldn't get the motor home out. So the hunt's over. It's about 3 o'clock, 3.30. Dale come out there and I went over there and threw my saddle on another horse. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going up there to that ridge and see if that line went back up that ridge like you said. I said, I can't sleep tonight. Not knowing. So I got come in around, it was dark, but I got up there before dark and that's why I went back up that ridge to the north. So I came in there, you know, and I thought, well, I'm not going to say nothing to Dale, I'm going to make him ask, you know. Pretty soon he couldn't take it any longer, you know. I said, well, did you find that lion? I said, Yeah, he went back up that ridge like you said, Dale. Mm. He said, Hmm.
3: <laughs>
2: I said, What I want to know is how come you knew that and I didn't. And he said, Well, that's easy. He said, I'm a lion hunter and you're not.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then old Dale, he wouldn't give you nothing. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Give, he said, Now I'm going to ask you a question. I said, All right, Dale. He said, why do lions scratch? I said, well, I guess I don't know. He pointed at me. He said, you need to figure that out if you want to be a lion
3: hunter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What did he say, Steve? So why do they scratch? He said, why do they scratch? Why do lions scratch is what he asked me. And I said, well, I guess I don't know. And he said, well, you need to answer that if you're going to be a lion hunter. Yeah. And he said, that goes with why I knew that, See. (laughs) And uh, so, why do lions cry? You know what? I'm not going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to play a big dealer on. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it is fair. It's all fair, buddy. <laughs> and I got to go feed my dog. Oh, now but he's going to
1: bug out. <laughs> but I
2: enjoyed it, guys. <laughs> he's going to bug out now.
1: That's not right. There's something not right about that. <laughs> Oh yes. thank you. You got are you gonna go
4: feed them dogs? Yeah, I'm
1: gonna go feed. Can you give mine a flake? Yes,
2: I'll do everything.
1: Thank you, Steve. Oh me. Okay, thank you. And if you want to come down here for some
2: coffee in the morning. Right here? Right here. Yes sir. Just come on down here.
1: Okay. I'm gonna go feed. Sounds good, thank you. Mr. Bueller, I, that was that was unbelievable. I I really, really enjoyed that. There's not... You, you guys realize you and Steve and there's not many of you guys left in the world. I mean, and, and it's a it's a it's a humbling experience for me to be able to sit here and talk to you. It really well, is. You're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to think about it,
4: but uh, well, you you're mean, most certainly welcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, there you know, there's so many people in this world that that you know they devote their life to 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 making money or being businessmen and being all this, you know. And you guys, you 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 hunt lions and you and you do things that that, that in a way I wish I'd done since I was young. <laughs> yeah,
4: you know I've never done anything else except hunt with dogs. And
1: but you you've enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's been a good living for you. Yeah, and a good well, life. I,
4: you know if it's something that I choose to do, you know. Yeah, that, that's, I choose to do it and, and uh, wouldn't change it if I could.
1: Yeah, what is that worth? I mean, to be able to do what you love all your life. I mean, that's priceless. Yep. And and there's so many people that, that I think would, they don't understand that, that not that they'd want to lion hunt, but just to be able to do what you love to do. You yeah,
4: know? yeah, it's been a wonderful deal, you know, to be able to hunt in old Mexico and Montana and Canada. Oh, you went
1: in, we didn't even get into old Mexico. What's that? We didn't even get into old Mexico.
4: No, it's all right. Did you know you go I, got, to, I mean, uh, we're, we're in
1: good shape. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've
4: hunted all over the all over wherever there's lions. And
1: uh, well, one of these days, maybe if you will allow me, I'll load up a mule and I'll come up and ride around with you a little bit. sometime. Well, you know, you can. Uh, I get, uh, is that against the rules with your business or with your with the company?
4: Who knows how long I'm going to be working there?
1: Okay. Okay. You know, I've
4: got nearly fifty years in with can, that outfit
1: you can retire then can't you
4: i can retire walk away easy really
1: do you from that do you get a decent retirement
4: i probably won't starve to death if i work every day <laughs> no i won't yeah i'll be all right
1: will you good yeah.
4: good i'll be all right and uh, you know my place is all set up for hunting uh where i never really done anything else you know uh, uh i've got places for dogs and places for mules
1: if you retired next week next friday you retired next week and you you didn't what would you do the following week
4: hunt lions
1: (laughs) that's what i want to hear that's a good one to end it yeah (laughs) thank you yeah i'll hunt lions somewhere no matter what that's yeah that's that's super